Shadows Literary License Podcast episodes. Ben Stokes here, exploring all things Collinsport, Maine, and following the likes of the Collins family, and the friends and foes, with your co-hosts, Tom Diamond, Jesse Fultz, Mickey Ray, and Keith Chalgo, Collins family, story about blood relations, literally. Welcome to the Your License Podcast. In this Dark Shadows Week, where we'll be discussing episodes from February 1969 to March 1969, or episodes 681 to 721. Then, who do we have with us today? We have Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. How are you doing? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and Jesse Fultz. Hey, how's it going? And Tom Diamond. Last but not least, and hopefully not least either. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you. And I'm your host, Keith Chicago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Tom, what have we been up to since last time we've seen you? Uh, busy with the online with the online course uh, and that I'm teaching and uh, experiencing the trials and tribulations of being, uh, of being an adjunct. And, uh, the bottom line, and I'm not going to go into a million, uh, into a million things. Actually, I'm going to continue this next month with something else. But the bottom line is, uh, you, depending upon your boss, uh, an adjunct professor can be a joy. Uh, you got to love the students though. You got to love dealing with the students and helping them out. Uh, but it can either be an, it can either be absolute joy or an absolute horror. And uh, I've experienced both already. Uh, but um, that watching, wa- I mean, we're, we're watching All in the Family, that marvelous, uh, iconic show from the 70s with Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton on the seventh season now of nine seasons. And uh, it's, uh, we, I'm just glued to it. I mean, I've, I've watched some of it in the 70s. We all did on Saturday nights. Uh, people stayed home uh, in order to watch that show, uh, but um, I didn't. I never saw all of them, and uh, it is. And they just came out on IMDb. Um, oh, they're listen, on IMDb. I didn't know that. On, they're all. The whole thing is on oh, IMDb. Oh God, man! Scott yep. finds out, I'll be an yep. old family widow. Yep, yep. And um, what else? Oh, and I was going to mention that we were just talking about this and Lost in Space. Uh, is uh, the final season is going to be in December? I think that's the third season. That's a third season, isn't it? Third that? season, third and final. Yeah, season. they could do so much more. But I wish they would go four seasons. That's a shame. Well, the creators are saying they always expected it was going to be a trilogy, and uh, so this is the final act of the trilogy, so to speak. And uh, and I think Outlander, I think, is coming back next year uh, for the it sixth season. It should be coming back like in February, I think. We heard February. That's yeah. what I was. That's the, what they're saying. Okay, well, that's that's better because I because I only get stars long enough to watch that. <laughs> then I get rid of stars again. But I love Outlander. It's fantastic. It really sticks with the books. Mm-hmm. I love all of Gabaldon's books. Mm-hmm. She's just a mm-hmm. brilliant writer. And there will be at least seven seasons, uh, so you can look forward. I think uh, there's quite a few books, and they're all this thick. So there's going to yeah, be some more coming. I don't think she's done no, yet. Keep keep talking about that. So, uh, and uh, that's the 
and I think it's and I think it's raining outside in Florida, so you might be able you might hear some uh, nice rain music and stuff like that. So that's what's going on with me, Keith. And what about yourself, Jess? What have you been up to? Um, school, school, more school. Um, yeah, that's that so and, good though. We're proud of you. Yeah, and not to like toot my own horn, but um, it is nice to finally be recognized as an honor student because that was You're, you on the, are you on the honor roll? Yeah. Awesome. Congrats, Jess. Are you in the honors program or the, uh, or the or the dean's list or what? What, what, what is it? Called? Yeah, yeah. I'm on the I'm on the dean's list. Yeah. Good for you. Um, Good for you. And I got invited to um, be a part of Phi Kappa Delta or something. Good for you. And Good for you. I'm not really. I've never really been a part of that, like in high school and stuff. So it's like a totally new thing for, for me. That was uh, an opportunity. Possible. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, it's kind of interesting. I went to tour um, another campus uh, to like consider. I, I consider transferring after this to um, UConn. I don't know if anyone is familiar with I know, Connecticut. I've spent I spent many weekends at UConn back in the day. Oh, really? <laughs> Go crashing though so, from New Hampshire to UConn. So yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, it it sounds like they have a really cool Good like school, um, sweetie digital uh media um and like a bunch of different classes and stuff that would really fit what i'm trying to do and they're thinking in ways that i didn't think people were thinking of i thought it was just me thinking these ways and trying to make um things more important i guess i don't know um how to explain it but yeah they, they seem to be doing some uh innovative thinking over there so i kind of like that um especially because what I want to do is like be more involved in like storytelling and whether that's through like TV shows or video games, something, I don't know, any, anywhere. I want to get my stories out there somewhere somehow because I have so many cool ideas I feel like, but yeah, that's what I, that's what I've been doing recently. And uh, I also did a ghost hunt at the Bradley playhouse, which is also where I'm doing um, the night of the living dead because we have a few spirits there apparently. Um, and I've oh, never yeah. heard of this. I've never heard of this before, but there seems to be a ghost that has kind of a multiple personality disorder, for lack of a better term, because... Um, is it a ghost, or is that just Vicky? <laughs> no, it's, it's the ghost. I'm rolling um, my eyes. There's a ghost named Abigail who... Um, well, what did they say? Did they say she was like from the 1800s or something? Don't quote me on that. It could be wrong. I don't remember her history, but um, on the downstairs platform in the audience, um, if you go over there, she I think refers to herself as Abigail. But then when she goes up the stairs, um, she becomes like a slave girl named Abby. So rather than like a wealthy, you know, hoity-toity kind of version of herself. She goes up the stairs and becomes like a slave girl named Abby. It's totally bizarre. I've never heard of it. They come to the conclusion she's a bipolar or uh, (laughs) has multiple personality for a spirit. I'm kind of interested in that. Through through a medium, um, a psychic medium was there with a bunch of other people that had um, equipment, but they they have two different mediums there that work in different ways. One of them is solely through like the really high positive stuff and the other one comes more at it from like a humanistic approach i don't really know what that means maybe that could be 
Um, but there's like a few different spirits there. And I thought that was very interesting. There's another one named Victoria that's in the basement. And my roommate is a skeptic. And when he came with, he actually had a weird experience that no one else had. So he kind of is like wondering what that was now. Because they have like these two triggered flashlights that are supposed to go off only when a spirit touches it. And they showed that when you do something with it, it doesn't turn on. And so only certain frequencies make it turn on. Um, and he was like alone by himself while there was some other group of people trying to do like a weird version of a sound. I don't really think they were doing it right because it wasn't like really focused at all. It was just kind of like, it was too loosey goosey for me. So it didn't seem to work, but he had his own experience in like the dark and there was no lights on. Is he either. still a skeptic? Like, no, he actually, um, you know, the thing is, I don't think he was ever a skeptic. I think what it was was that he was afraid to confront it because I mean, if you believe in God or, like, talk about God or other spirits and things like that, I feel like you have to believe in the supernatural because you can't have one without yeah. the other. So it's I think all supernatural it's supernatural when you think about yeah, it. Exactly. So wow. I think what it is is fear of things beyond your control, things beyond your sight. And I've tried to, like, explain that to him and other people that claim to be skeptics but yet claim to believe in other things. Like, you can't believe in God but then not believe in, like, hell or the devil or whatever you know all of these different things have to exist if one thing exists if that makes any sense at all <laughs> um what else yeah my, my playhouse um at the, at the playhouse uh bradley um i can't talk i can't think um no the night of living dead is going pretty well we have a good uh decent number of people showing up every night so that's always good i almost had my contact pop out though I had a scary incident where the contact I was wearing because for some reason this eye always gets drier than my other eye. I cannot put I those things in my eyes. I, I didn't bring <laughs> I didn't bring eye drops, but this one's always fine. I I never feel the contacts when I put them in, but you know because I have to hold my eyes open like I'm staring at you know people like a zombie. Um, this eye always gets way dry, and I didn't bring my eye drops. So it got stuck to the upper lid of my eye and then rolled back a little bit. Ah, and no, no, oh, stop God. right there. Stop. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back and fix it really quick. And um, oh, after the play was over, I took them Yeah, I took out, I had to take I hate <laughs> eyeball anything. When I hear about things getting stuck by it, it's cringeworthy. Yeah, it's, it's a little, little nerve-wracking because you you don't know how far back um, they go. No! But yeah, I've heard that line no! so many times. No, 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 no. They're coming to get you, Vicky. <laughs> I know. It's just like, no. <laughs> I almost played Johnny. I almost played Johnny for this, but instead I just became a zombie. What about yourself, Vicks? What are you been up to? Well, I don't have any problems with my eyes. Not anymore. <laughs> good. Your dog agrees with you. We just my dog is agreeing. I put that poor Amazon man. Uh, Hopefully it isn't. <laughs> But um, no, we haven't been up to a whole lot, actually. It's just we're getting Asher's birthdays coming up this weekend and they're still not in their house. So we're just trying to figure out, well, we're just, just have a little party for him and then we'll just do his big thing in a couple of weeks. But we uh, yeah, he's not here. He's in school, but uh, I'll make sure I let him know. But did any of you guys watch The Manor with Barbara Hershey? Did you catch that? Any of you? That was really good. It's not the haunting of Bly Manor, is it? No. No, no, no. Different. It's just this movie about you know Barbara Hershey. She still looks good. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, my goodness. What show is she on? She's oh, been doing a few things. I don't know what else she's on, but this is her newest. 
I just hadn't yeah. seen her out and about mm-hmm. as of late. And it was just nice to see her get back in the saddle again. And I finished them finally because it was, it was a really disturbing, well-written. Was it Ty West did, did that, I believe. I think me and Joe were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, it's part of the Bloom House. Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, it was excellent. I, it was a really, I thought it was really good. But, and I watched that ever popular Halloween kills that everybody's just going crazy about. You either loved it or you hated it. It's not that bad, folks. If you really like, if you're a fan Wait, of it. The, the new Halloween movie? Halloween kills. Yeah. It's really, oh, okay. I liked it. I don't care. Well, I, there's okay. a couple things in there I, w- I would have done differently, but that's why I'm not a director. But it's a setup for a second one. But at least the story has some continuity because me and Keith were always kidding around because if you put them all together, the franchise, they all don't have anything to do with each other, basically, except for maybe one, two, and and this one. And so I think, I think, I believe they're going to do another one because I'm not going to say what happened, but Lori Strobe can be really pissed off at the end of this movie. That's all I got to say. But I've seen a behind the scenes with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. It was like an interview thing. And I kind of got interested in it. I've always, I, I, I hate how they take like old classic horror films. And they try to like do things with them, even if it yeah. has the same actors, because it never feels like the same movie or like right. even the same director or the same writers or anything. It doesn't feel like the same thing. So I was kind of hesitant to watch it. But if it's good, I'll, I'll, I'll see. It was, it. I think it's worth a watch. And it was really kind of fun to see people come back. Like he had the little boy. Well, it was who was it played him? It wasn't the little boy that played it in 1978. Yeah. But um, you had the the original Lindsay comes back. You know, Lindsay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all you can remember that. is Lindsay. But yeah, they uh, a lot of the same people from the original. Um, yeah, yeah, the, and it was just cool. kind of interesting. And the kills were brutal. The kills were spectacular. Okay. So you know, okay. it's not, that's how I do things by kills. <laughs> I liked all the kills. <laughs> so big thumbs up for just kills alone. But it was it was. I'm looking forward to the the fourth installment in this particular. Oh, speaking of old classics, did anyone see any of the previews that Rob Zombie was sending out for his Monsters film? Oh and God, everybody's hating on Rob and Sherry Man. What, what do people think of that? Because I'm kind of intrigued. People are losing their Rob. minds over that too. In all the forums, thank God I'm banned from Facebook for the last week. You know, I got one more one more day to avoid it. <laughs> I haven't really missed it, tell you the truth. But um, everybody's just freaking out and bad mouthing Rob Zombie and his wife. It's like he's gonna oh, put geez. her in. You know, that's what that that they're 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 partners for everything. No, I saw I saw her in the makeup. Um, I saw all of them in their makeup, she and they look pretty, pretty good. good they look they look really good. So I, you know, I am actually kind of people are gonna hate it, it or they're gonna like it. They either love and or I, hate Rob Zombies. It's like leave them alone. I, yeah, and I, I know he loves like. At the Adams family and the monsters. So I, usually when people love have a love for something, they usually do it justice, even if they do put their own spin on it. And that's what I, I want to see. I, I almost wonder if he's going to go like in a full horror route or if he's going to keep the same kind of campy. Who knows with him? I mean, when you think there's got to be, he would have to take a stab at comedy, don't you think, as well? I, uh, yeah. I mean, he already does that in his film. So I think, I think the air that he has within all of his other films, I think it would work for this. Even if it, they did go a more like gory horror route, I'm not sure how you could do that with the monsters. But if he has an idea, I'd definitely be up to seeing that because like I would stay off the horror forums. 
if you want to if you want to watch a movie, don't get don't go in for all the uh, the buzzkills. Just form your own opinion. It's a movie, yeah. you know. There's, yeah, exactly. You it's would the think, end of the world. You would think you know over Halloween Kills we were having another election. You know the way everybody was acting. My goodness, you know it's just like Twitter's like how boy it's not for the faint of heart, man. If you disagree with somebody on Twitter, they're going to get your license, your phone number, your address. <laughs> just you know seriously I yeah, just, you'll get docked the fights i was docked. watching about halloween i just like wow these people are just uh they're just going off horror fans are really passionate Let's just i know they're passionate they don't beat <laughs> each other up over somebody else's movie that they made it's an no, opinion they'll slice your neck open they'll do all of the kills that they see in their favorite horror films on you if you contradict them so yeah well they are giving rob zombie kind of a bad rap the last few weeks everyone always does and i've never like every movie that i've watched i've never had a problem with like i like that it's i different. don't have a problem I like that it's movies. original and i like that he's doing stuff that no one else is really doing and i mean that that takes more balls than what everyone else in hollywood is doing which you know most movies i'd like, to see, I'd like to see him do a reboot of cannibal holocaust <laughs> That one would be so worthwhile to see. It's like, please. Well, maybe, maybe oh, yeah, you, get him, you can tell him that. No, he. Well, that was that was the Green Inferno, and it was yeah, not was near it. gross enough. Eli did not put hardly any. There was not a good bunch of good kills in there. Is that that wasn't Hannibal? Cannibal Holocaust was it? Green Inferno. Was that the same one? Green where, Inferno. Like, I mean, it was all the same. But it was his idea. It was his version of Cannibal Holocaust. There was Cannibal Ferox, and then there's Cannibal but, Holocaust. But you, but you can't, you can't do the animal thing anymore, anyway. Well, no, I wouldn't think you could. I could. I, I was like, I was crawling under the table when I saw that. <laughs> so, because I like animals more than human beings, so that was that. Oh, uh, isn't, isn't Rod Zombie now with the, he's doing something with the monsters, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it looked, and, and the set looked very, very the Mockingbird Lane building. Yeah, looks very, very. Yeah, I mean, well, is the Mockingbird to... Lane house is what the is what Brie from Desperate Housewives. That's her house. Thirteen, thirteen Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> that's who. Yeah, says? but that house that they that house in that movie in that TV series is what they use in Desperate Housewives. Oh no wonder, no wonder. No kidding, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's Little Brie's house. Away. If you if you remember Desperate the Marcia Cross, the red haired one, remember her house, the blue one. That's the Munster house. I didn't know that. Interesting. How interesting. interesting. I, I like guess it's still things. standing. Is that supposed to be a comedy or a, or a straight horror? We're going to have to go thing? back towards the, the zombie monster thing. Is that supposed to be, be a comedy? Yeah, I know. It's have to be, don't you think? That's, yeah. the, the, problem with the, the problem with the monster movie is, is that it's going to be really hard to do. Comedy horror is very hard, so let's see how we... I, See if he pulls it off. That's that's going to be the difficult part of it. So. Well, look what happened with the 2012... I Oh, oh shoot! What was the last one? I see. I was it Three from Hell. I thought that was really. I thought had a good balance. I love and Three frankly, from Hell. That's one of my yeah, favorite. Those movies. are so good, <laughs> and I like how I've noticed that these characters that he's created, like even in the songs, the like ideas and, and characters that he creates in the music videos and the songs he actually includes in his movies too. And I didn't realize that right away because I think on um, the same album as. Um, a Thousand Corpses, there's a song called Free From Hell or something, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Something that has to do with them, at least. So I thought that was cool that um, there's this kind of weird continuity in his 
Yeah, how's Delving more. I, I like all of his movies. I mean, he's got some really serious kills in his movies. He doesn't, you know. Oh spare, yeah. I mean, there's blood cannons everywhere. You know, he doesn't spare the blood. Oh yeah, like like that one uh, that one chick after she escapes, she just gets run over by a giant semi. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like that, it was like so gross, but it was like the only time I ever laughed watching a horror movie. I, Typically that. Doesn't make me it laugh. It was kind of random, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but it's kind of like what you would expect because every one of these movies that you watch, the girls go running out into the street, all bloody and stuff, and they never get run over. A lot of the times, people will pass them, but that's what happens when you get when you run out in the street. Most of the time, you're going to get run over because people aren't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna also, if Butch Patrick approves, which he seems to, because he takes a lot of pictures with Rob Zombie, I've seen them in um, some of their posts and I thought that was kind of cool that he's actually like I wonder if he'll make a cameo with Butch Patrick in the actual movie because that would be that would be interesting because everybody else is dead is uh, maybe Pat no is Pat Priest still alive Mm. oh I don't know died recently yeah oh she died recently what about the first one because there's they used to Beverly Owen Beverly Owen yeah I don't know if she's around yeah, she she left to get married. You know the story. With oh, wait, that she who who was playing Marilyn in this one? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And Deborah Wally, I think, played her in the movie uh, in the Monster Go Home movie. Um, but uh, now Beverly Owen actually, actually, I thought Pat Breeze was a better Marilyn than Beverly Owen. Marilyn uh, was the plain one of the family. Yeah, the yeah pl- that's, right, one, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we the weird one. I always like it when they have the the, the chirping. She's your down. sister's kid. <laughs> that's what that's what uh, Gwyn's Herman Munster. She's your sister's kid. You know, <laughs> poor Marilyn. <laughs> You're not getting poor Marilyn. Oh my god. I mean, it was like dead. an Adams Family spin. I mean, when the Adams Family movie was going, there's a lot of oh, they're not going to be able to pull this off because you know the, the TV series is so iconic. But they did pull it off at the end of the day, so. No. You mean, do you mean like the CGI one or no I'm talking about the Angel the live um, action with Jelica Houston one and Raul Julia okay. right you know, if, you, if you cast yeah, it really well Raul Julia, Julia. Well, Raul Julia those films were actually pretty good yeah they're, I, I mean I think Wednesday Adams Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams exactly Wednesday Adams I don't want to quote her all the time Christina there's Ritchie. so many it's weird because the Night of the Living Dead has attracted so many different um like horror fans and like goth, um, like goth cultured people. So a lot of them always refer to like Wednesday Adams or make Wednesday Adam like jokes or quotes or something. So it's kind of funny how so many people come together to do Not as a Living Dead because they're really all like into who stuff. plays. Now, Lisa Loring, by the way, who played Wednesday in the original when she was a kid, she she went on to be on As the World Turns, from what I understand, when she yeah. was an adult. She was on As the World Turns. Trying to figure out who that is. Little Wednesday. Little Wednesday from the original series. Yes, 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 you're right. She went on to become, yeah, she, I don't know who she played on As the World Turns. I mean, the Monsters was actually a lot more slapstick than the Adams Family was. So. Exactly. No, it's true. It's true. Um, but the Adams family lasted another one year longer. And then and these are lost now, but the Carolyn Jones was on. There was a special Saturday version of the Hollywood Squares, if you remember that show with Peter Marshall. And they dressed up as uh, cartoon characters for the Saturday morning version for the kids. 
of the Hollywood squares. And of course, Carolyn Jones came on as Morticia. And uh, so she would sit right in the center. I remember that. It was so, it was really cute. And, uh, and they only, and I'm surprised they don't have that on YouTube yet. But those were very, uh, those were very interesting shows. That, of course, in 275 gets us on the subway now. I mean, Adam's family as well. I mean, comes from a comic, a comic strip. Charles Adams. It comes yeah. from, and basically it was um, gothic humor anyway. Right. Was that uh, in New York? What you, what you saw in the movie and the TV show was just basically gothic humor. It's like, you know, do you mind if I smoke? And then she would actually. And, and, and that was very well done. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was very well done. So if you're talking about oh, yeah. horror comedy. Yeah, I forgot about horror that. comedy. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> Munsters was. Munsters was like little kid stuff, but the Adams family was really adult horror comedy. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, was Lily supposed to be a vampire? Yes, I think she's but, supposed to be a mix of that, but also the Bride of Frankenstein because she's married and has. Yeah, they got the, I think I, I've often wondered that because, like, they never really say. They did yeah. say that she was a vampire because she was uh, Grandpa's daughter, and Grandpa was uh, the Dracula equivalent. But they didn't have Lily biting anybody, you know. And he well, would. Grandpa, he, grandpa never did either. Well, he'd take a nipple. He tried to take a nipple off the wrist, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. They did a little. Uh, Which is know. weird when you think about it, because if she's also like a vampire and her and his daughter, it's kind of weird that he's trying to take a bite of her. <laughs> Maybe there's a little That's just a whole other podcast. Now, I think incestors <laughs> had yeah. something to do with that. You know, that, it's weirdly sexual to see something like that, but then you remember, oh wait, that's kind of awkward. I loved it though. Yeah, when, weird. Yeah. I loved <laughs> it when so John Carradine biting what's his Willie in the the wrist. You know? Did you know yeah. that John Carradine and this was just for fun on the original Munsters played uh, Mr. Gateman, the uh, the the uh, mort- the mortician, you know, because Herman worked for the mortician. Uh, her, and, uh, naturally, he worked. For, and Mr. Gateman was played by John Carradine, uh, and and he came on every once in a while and did a couple of comedic stints. That was very funny. Uh, that was the only time they ever did that. But we're doing Dark Shadows. We're not doing the Monsters. Uh, so I'll, <laughs> you I'll think we get off on that tangent real quick. I'll shut up. <laughs> I, I apologize. That's my fault. No, 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 no. Don't worry. Time passes when you're having fun, right, Keith? Yeah, well, I mean, what I've been up to, I went and I finished the series You on Netflix, which I highly recommend. I still haven't started. I watched the first two episodes, and I still haven't finished watching it. My daughter loves it. Oh, it's so good. And then um, I've watched another Australian series that's on Netflix called Love in the Spectrum, but autistic people finding love. Fantastic. It's like I am so invested in it. I saw the ads for it. It's a a reality program, um, and they're not... You know, they're not showing them off. It's not, you know, they're not showing off to be funny or to be laughed at or anything like that. And but, but it's so entertaining and you get so invested in these autistic people looking for love. And, you know, it's, it's like a continuation as you're, as you're following them through their journey. Brilliant. I have to say simple brilliant. It's like, you know, and they end it like basically it's this one, you know, autistic guy named Mike when he, you know, he's looking for love. And then he meets this girl at a speed dating system and then basically he you know they, he asked her out for a date and then he shows up and then she he's at the restaurant waiting for her to come and then the, that's the end of the episode so you have to watch the next one to find out that she shows up <laughs> and he's there going, but i mean you know you, you sit there and you spend your whole time watching the whole series the gripping smile on your face when it works out and you feel a bit sad when it doesn't work out and 
it's really well God, done yeah. and, and it's not you know it's not done like a circus freak show either you know like like so many other shows tend to do that Poking you know. fun at yeah you know you're really enjoying their journey and outside of that i'm booking my trip to russia next year to wow. do some stuff for the show and to meet Apparently, our Russian fan base as well is still going on over there. Wow, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yes, yeah, so wow. I'm going to have to learn Russian many times, so I'm just finalizing that. But yeah, I mean, all I do is pay for my airfare, and I guess the hotel and everything's going to be paid for. So yeah. And then wow. you, should, you should take us all on a trip around the world, too, so we can visit all the fan base. Uh, yeah, well, most of it's in the Philippines. <laughs> Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> really? We have to you know, you just give us free machetes. Hey, you know? hello, all our fans in Malaysia. We love you dearly. <laughs> so besides that, I'm not a lot going on. I'm carrying on with work and carrying on with this. Left for Dead is the number one computer game internationally for the for the next for the last Congratulations. It's wonderful. So that's going very well as wow. well. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna cut to the bloopers and we'll be right back to talk about Dark Shadows. Tom Diamond here, covering episodes 681 to 721 in our Dark Shadows Retrospective on Literary License Podcast. And let's get to the very important details right away in terms of the stars. And the first one that we see for just a couple of episodes is none other than Abe Vigoda as Ezra Braithwaite in episodes 684 and 685, the two-episode stint, and of course that character is killed off by Quentin. And Ezra Braithwaite is the jeweler who has designed the pentagram, and we'll find out what that's all about. And uh, Abe Bogota, of course, went on to become... Barney uh, Fish in Barney Miller, the famous ABC series in, in 1975, which ran for a few years, and then uh, uh, Fish, the spinoff with not in 1977. And I believe that uh, Fish's wife was also played by uh, the Dark Shadows character who did the uh, Florence Stanley. Florence Stanley. Uh, so, actually, Fish is uh, composed of two Dark Shadows alumni, which is interesting. Ava Goda was born in Brooklyn and uh, became, was a really uh, an unknown character actor at the time that he did Dark Shadows. He later went on to become successful in The Godfather in 1972, playing uh, Tessio. And he was also in A Brooklyn State of Mind in 1986, Prime Spree in 2003. Uh, Abe Bogota died January 26, 2016. He was 95 years old at the time. Um, Abe Bogota was on Rockford Files, Cheap Detective, 
he was also in Godfather Part 2, uh, Jury Duty, uh, Family Guy, um, wow, uh, and uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm in, uh, in 1993. And uh, the interesting Abe Bogota has a couple of scenes, uh, one with Jonathan Frid and the other one with Dave Selby. And uh, one of the bloopers is when he is first mentioned in the credits, Abe Bogota's name is spelled Abe Bogodo. They took care of that uh, for with the second time. Okay, next we have Roger Davis, who returns as Ned Stewart, the brother of Sabrina Stewart, which we will get to in a minute. Roger Davis returns to Dark Shadows in episode 687. And then subsequently in 1897, Roger Davis appears as Dirk Wilkins, the overseer of Collinwood. Okay, Lisa Richards comes on as Sabrina Stewart in episode 692. Lisa Richards is uh, still with us. She is alive and well. She is actually Lisa Blake Richards. And uh, after Dark Shadows went on to uh, star in the last case of August T. Harrison in 2015 and Mr. Monk in 1983, she was married a few times uh, who to... Stephen Mendel, Michael Ebert, and Frederick Kimball, and R.A. Liptone. So I think she was married four times, actually. Okay, she has been also in, I caught her in an episode of Fantasy Island, actually, once. But she's in, uh, she's been in The Heart of Dixie, Highway to Heaven, Chips, uh, she was in the movie Heaven Can Wait, David, Seasons of the Heart, uh, Frank and Ava, Getting On, and she was in Falcon, Falcon, Falcon Crest. Sorry about that, everybody. It's a little late at night. Oh, Isabella Hoops. And who can forget the portrayal of Isabella Hoops as old Edith Collins in episode 701-702 and as Edith's ghost in episode 710, where we finally get to see... Isabella Hoops, uh, who was 76 years old at the time she did this role, uh, walking around. She had a nice hunchback or a kyphosis, and she's threatening Quentin, who is like twice his, twice her size. Isabella Hoops was born in 1893, April 21st, April 1893 to be exact, and uh, she was also in the taking of Pelham 123. Uh, that movie in 1974, she was in the 1968 Boston Strangler. Uh, she died in 1987, actually, August 7, 1987, in Far Rockaway, New York, um, which is uh, which is quite interesting. Marie Wallace, who we remember as Eve, now returns as Jenny Collins in episode 716. Jenny Collins is the wife of Quentin, and there's another little relationship to a character in the show, which we will find out. Um, in one of the episodes, uh, there is a... Uh, Angelique, causes Barnab- uh, Angelique shows Barnabas a vision by opening the uh, window in the tower room of a, uh, of a figure that stakes Barnabas the last night that he's alive in 1897, and that is portrayed by Norman Parker. 
Norman Parker was a character actor that turned up in time from time to time. He was in Prince of the City in 1981. He actually was in Bonfire of the Vanities in 1990, and he was in Family Ties as well, and in the movie Clairvoyant in 1982. Of course, we can see Alex Stevens as the werewolf, um, and uh, that started in. Episode 697 and uh, 698, and a few episodes after that. Casey Townsend is the doxy that gets bitten by Barnabas in 703, and she portrays the character of Sophie Baker. And finally, Natalie Norwick, who we have seen in the past as Josette Standin, appears from 708 to 710 as Edith Collins' dead body. Now, one of the things that you should uh, realize is that there's an oblique reference to a crew member of Dark Shadows in episode 681. And uh, that is the, not really a character, but Mr. Juggins, the mannequin that is uh, dressed up by David with uh, Quentin's, uh, with Quentin's uh, dress in order to fool uh, Maggie into and Liz into uh, believing that Quentin was really a figment of David's imagination and he was just playing around. And of course you're going to see in the first first time we see Mr. Juggins, he's dressed in Quentin's uh, blue frock coat and then all of a sudden changes to a gray frock coat later on. But Mr. Juggins was actually uh, named after Max Juggerhands who was one of the Mike Grips on Dark Shadows, and so they gave Max Juggerhands a uh, little round of applause, and that's an inside joke in naming the mannequin Mr. Juggins after him. We uh, get moving on to the bloopers, but even before we do that, uh, let's go over the uh, characters uh, as we go into 1897 in this block. And of course, we've got Quentin Collins, and is uh, played by David Selby. We've got Beth, as played by Terry Crawford, or Terrain Crawford. Um, okay, so Louis Edmonds plays Edward Collins. Uh, the supposed patriarch of Collinwood, but he really isn't because uh, after Edith dies, the will leaves everything to Judith Collins and Judith Collins uh, who is uh, the sister of Edward Collins, uh, so right away, uh, you've still got that brother-sister relationship just like Raj and Liz and uh, Joan Bennett plays Judith Collins John Carlin, uh, for the first time in another uh, real role uh, other than Willie, uh, comes on as Carl Collins, uh, the practical joker of the family and a very immature uh, brother to, uh, to Quentin. And we mustn't forget Humbert Allen Estrado. How can we forget him? Who comes back as Evan Hanley, the lawyer uh, to the uh, Collins family, and also a practicing devil worshipper, Shades of Nicholas Blair, and uh, Humbert, and, and Humbert Allen Estrada comes back during this block as well. Thayer David uh, is Xandor the Gypsy, who finds Barnabas in his coffin, and Grayson Hall is Magda Rakosi, uh, and I guess it's Xandor Rakosi as well, um, and, uh, and, and she portrays the uh, 
she portrays, she gives a great portrayal as a, as a gypsy, and uh, that's the ghost that uh, in, in the 200, 100 years later is terrorizing Collinwood at first. And this was actually one of Grayson Hall's favorite roles. Um, the, uh, her, her grandmother uh, was uh, Romanian, Russian, Eastern European, and so there is some gypsy in Grayson Hall's background, and she used to say that she really enjoyed playing this role. Moving on to one of the few bloopers in this block, and I do have to preface this by saying there aren't a lot of bloopers, especially after they get into 1897. They really, really seem to have cleared this up. I also do want to mention that this block marks the return of Violet Wells, one of the writers of the first year of Dark Shadows, uh, who was called back to do some additional duty uh, writing for the 1897 block. Henry Kaplan is prominently featured as a director in 1897 as well. In episode 682, uh, Maggie, uh, Maggie has a dream, and she walks to the West Wing, interestingly enough, in the opposite direction from the way where she usually walks. She will usually walk out of her room and into a, to a door through the end of the corridor and open that door in order to enter into the West Wing. In the dream, she's, uh, she goes in the opposite direction and walks off the set. One of the only uh, David Selby bloopers uh, that we see in this block was when he uh, pronounces the name of, uh, he's talking about the cousins of Collinwood, and then he pronounces Barnabas Collins' name as Barnabas Cousins before he realizes his mistake and then uh, repeats the name Barnabas Collins. In another episode, it's kind of interesting, and uh, I don't know if a lot of fans pick this up, but so David Selby as Quentin uh, starts to walk up the Collinwood staircase in the, uh, in the foyer in order to get to his room. And the camera shows him walking up the staircase and then stopping in the middle of the staircase. And then it switches to the other characters in that particular scene. You never really see David Selby walking across that uh, balcony kind of uh, landing in order to hit that door. And my guess is that uh, David Selby had to walk to another part of the set, and uh, the camera was not supposed to show him stopping. Uh, but it did. Uh, he stopped just for a second, and we can see that happening. Also, in a few of the scenes, you will see them waiting for their cues until they start emoting. So watch for those. In episode 683, Julia coughs while she's holding up the... Um, the pentagram pendant in episode 686 uh, Julia states that Ezra Braithwaite after he had died had a condition of heart trouble and that was a writer's blooper it really should have been that he had a history of heart trouble we have some Fritz speak in uh, 786 uh, where Jonathan says Braithwaite knew uh, who he had sold that book to and it should have been the uh, pentagram Look, by the way, uh, for the lights that simulate lightning in uh, the windows of the uh, day room at Collinwood, and that's also in 686, one or two other episodes as well. Jonathan, I believe, comes up with another blooper in episode 688 when he talks about, when he mentions Chris, then... He says, David's strange behavior lately. In episode 689, watch out for Don Briscoe. 
and of course Don Briscoe as Chris Jennings, uh, and this is before they go back to 1897, and uh, Barnabas, Julia, and uh, Chris are getting out of the mausoleum. Uh, Chris trips on the steps, and I think that he uh, manages to recover. In episode 691, look for one of the crewman figures running by the screen uh, as uh, we have a scene with, uh, with Maggie. Episode 694, well, we're not going to go into too many of these, but we do have that mic boom in the upper right-hand corner in one of the scenes. But you don't have that too often here. As I said, you don't really have a lot of bloopers in this block at all. They did a really good job. Let's not forget, by the way, that Catherine Lee Scott in 1897 portrays Rachel Drummond, the uh, governess, kind of like uh, uh, a la Vicky and a la Maggie, who handles the children, Jameson, played by David Hennessy, and Nora Collins, played by Denise Nickerson, and those are two other characters uh, in the block. All the characters, all the actors are really, or most of the actors are taking on new character roles here. And one of the uh, things about uh, the name Rachel Drummond is that it also happens to be the name of a character in Inherit the Wind, and I go into that in the podcast. And that uh, that was the picture in 1960-ish uh, with Spencer Tracy, Frederick March, uh, Dick York as uh, the uh, it was the Scopes trial essentially the evol- the biology high school teacher in the South who taught evolution, and the town got very upset about it. And of course, Gene Kelly in a rare serious appearance, having nothing to do with his dancing abilities. But anyway, uh, for some strange reason, the uh, character of Rachel Drummond, who uh, is portrayed by, uh, and I'm blanking out on the actress in that movie, uh, the name is used for the Dark Shadows character here. By the way, and I apologize for skipping back and forth, but I realized that we talked about Casey Townsend, who had played Sophie Baker, uh, in a one-shot blooper and then a one-shot uh, scene as uh, Barnabas's victim. She was born as Kathleen Faye Sullivan, uh, April 4th, 1942, and she was in The Burning in 1987, All That Jazz in 1979, and uh, Casey Townsend passed away on April 6th, 1989. She was also an age of... Uh, she was also in a picture called Age of Insects. Okay. Now, skipping to episode 707, and that's how it goes to show you that there aren't a lot of bloopers in this block. Uh, we just, just skipped uh, 10 episodes later. Um, actually, Amazon Prime uh, says that uh, there is a blooper in that uh, the tower room, which, of course, is lit from time to time. Uh, the Jenny's in there, and it's supposed to be dark. Uh, that when people look out the front door, they can see the uh, tower, and you're not really supposed to be able to see the tower unless it's from the rear of the house. And in actuality, in that episode, you don't see the tower from the front door. You see the tower from the uh, garden, which uh, looks, uh, which is in the back of uh, the drawing room, and the that uh, garden actually is in the rear of the house. So that's not a blooper. It was uh, seems to be a mistake on Amazon Prime's part. The line that's given by Roger as the family is being thrown out of Collinwood uh, when Quentin takes over and Roger looks defiantly at the walls and says, We'll be back. Have no fear of that. Uh, nice to hear Roger rhyme there. 
moving back to episode 707 Edward uh, says a really cardinal line uh, nobody trusts nobody in the family trusts anyone else and that goes back to what I probably said earlier that one of the big issues of Dark Shadows is the lack of trust that everybody in the family has for each other well here it is is verbalized uh, by Edward for those of you who are seeing the closed caption uh, on, in Amazon Prime, look for a couple of uh, closed caption uh, bloopers as well. Um, closed caption spells Trist as T-R-I-F-T uh, because uh, Louis Edmonds kind of, uh, he didn't pronounce it wrong, but he did a little, uh, he did a little, did a little speeding up when he was, uh, when he was giving that line. Look in episode 718, look for a different stage setting where uh, in the prior episode, uh, Barnabas uh, is standing in the tower room. The door opens and Barnabas just looks in horror at what he sees. In the next episode, uh, the uh, Barnabas, uh, the door opens and then closes and then Barnabas calls for Angelique and uh, gives a nice little soliloquy. All that is not in the prior episode. And of course, who, how can we forget, Lara Parker does return as Angelique in this block to torment Barnabas even further. In episode 20, 721, finally a can falls on the floor in, uh, in the middle of the scene, and you can clearly hear the clatter of the can as uh, it falls on the floor in the set. And so, that is uh, a, uh, a decent summary of the bloopers, and we've also talked about the stars, uh, in episode 681 to 721. And uh, we hope you, I hope you've enjoyed that. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Legend License Podcast, and we're discussing Dark Shadows, February to March 1969, and episodes 681 to 721. And as you know, if you were with us last month, we've now done a different format. So what we're going to do is be covering storylines to be able to make sure that we cover things more adequately and to make sure that we're a bit more focused as we um, carry on through our storylines. So our first storyline is scene one. Maggie tells Elizabeth about seeing Quentin, and Elizabeth goes to the West Wing to investigate. Barnabas calls on Professor Stokes to propose a seance to reach Janet Finley. Barnabas contacts elderly jewelers, Els, um, sorry, Ezra Bathwaite, to Thank learn you. about the pentagram found in the coffin. Quentin's ghost appears to Ezra, who realizes he is the same Quentin he knew as a young man. Roger returns from a trip and learns that Barnabas has accused David of stealing Ezra's record book. Quentin reappears to David and causes him to feel that he is set on fire. Quentin attacks Maggie and Elizabeth and Mrs. Johnson here. Quentin's theme playing on a loop. Elizabeth and Julia believe that the children are possessed by a pair of ghosts. So, Tom, what are your thoughts of this storyline? <laughs> I can tell you is that all this and what we're going to be discussing pre-1897 when they go back to it is, is just uh, is kind of father. Uh, and some of this is like, uh, I, uh, to me, is stuffing a pillow with straw 
until we get to 1897, and then things really, really start to get nice. But uh, as far as this was concerned, I think the main um, the main advantage of this block is, of course, we see Abe Vigoda, uh who is later, of course, on Barney Miller. That and, was him. That was driving exactly me right. nuts. That's exactly right. Barney Miller, and then later is Fish. In the in the series takeoff of Barney Miller, and Abe Pagoda actually did come to a couple of Dark Shadows conventions, which I wasn't at, but I but I had heard about it, and uh, it was kind of it because he was only on for two uh, two or th- uh, three, three episodes. maybe two three uh, maybe two two or three. Um, Pops, yeah, and and in the and first, I think five it was episodes two. afterwards. <laughs> was that? And, and his character was discussed for five episodes after that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. But and of course, the blooper is that in the credits in the first episode he is listed as Abe Vigodo with an O instead, oh, of an a. and okay. they and they corrected that one after. But um, I, I but he was really <clears throat> you could really see that he was a good, damn good actor, and he had this and he, he had was. this long scene with Selby. And uh, it enabled, it enabled, that was really one of the first time when you see Selby as Quentin, uh, who up to this point was just malevolent, malevolent ghost and killing and maiming and didn't care who he possessed. But as, um, as Abe Bogota, as Breitwake talks about the uh, pentagram and talks about the origins of the pentagram and, uh, and, and reads the quote from the, from the head of Cerberus uh, with Cerberus. And uh, you can see Selby looking into the camera. And for the first time, uh, you, you see some, you see sadness uh, in the eyes. And, 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 you know, as he's remembering what we will be seeing as it's what actually happened to Quentin. And um, I think also, you know, so I think uh, also, uh, during this, you know, David's being set on fire. Now that's now the, the hand. Uh, he actually Quentin touches David's hand. If you the the camera didn't pick this up, but there was actually a really good. They really did a good makeup job of uh, what looked like a second degree burn yeah. on David's yeah. on David's uh, forearm. And uh, but you have to look at it closely, and you have to have a big TV screen uh, because otherwise you really don't see that too well. But uh, it did give it, it. But if you really, but if you're really looking at that closely, as I said, it gives you the it, it gives you an idea of the cruelty that they wanted uh, everybody to know that Quentin was capable of. Uh, and uh, the seance, of course, which. Uh, Thayer David does with his usual Lana Panache, and uh, Mrs. Johnson is uh, possessed by the spirit of Janet Findlay. Did a really good, uh, did a really good scene where she finally faints and, and, and faints on the table uh, at the end, and the music and the music cue is right on, and of course. Roger, you know, who is his usual, uh, there's some more scenes with Roger in this block. And, uh, but, uh, I think that, uh, this is all the setup, uh, or part of the setup to what we're really going to see when we go back to 1897. And if you can, and some of it's slow, very, very slow, uh, compared to what's going to happen later on. So if you can, you can sit through that, if you can sit through that, 
and go through episodes where David and Amy are having hysterics. We can't listen to Quentin. We can't, but but we can, but we must, but we can't, but we must. And David and Amy are just going back let's and forth. Let's play the game. Let's play yeah, the let's game. Play the game. Oh, no. Let's play the game. Let's play the game. We can't play the game, <laughs> David. Play the we game gotta right. play the game. <laughs> Oh, I guess I like this music after all. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. I mean, you just get sick of that. You get sick of that. Yeah, because like you think they made a decision and then all of a sudden they switch back to the house and they've made a completely different decision than the one you just seen in the previous scene with no explanation. It's not like they just ran into Quentin, at least on screen. And you're like, wait, how did they cut? How did they come to that conclusion again? Did I miss something? And they just keep going back and forth, back and forth. But I will say Denise Nickerson does an amazing job of being a creepy little girl kid. It reminds me of like one of those t-shirts by Stephen Rhodes that has like, let's summon demons. Or, you know, I don't know if you've seen those, but they have like Hot Topic and places like that. Yeah, I've got, I love my shirts. I got a few of them. I I don't have one yet, but I want one. (laughs) It's (laughs) my goal to get one of those. They get lots of side eye if you're out and about, especially living down here in the Oh, yeah. No, when I work, when I work clothes like that, I always get looks and comments. So I, yeah, I I could definitely see that. But um, I I would love to see a version of that for like Dark Shadows or something, because that would be especially relevant right now, but I also realized that it's so turn of the screw, like even more well, so yeah, than the original. Yeah, I think they did that on purpose, turn of the screw. Oh, yeah, but like if you think about I like think the first that's... season ever, that was also turn of the screw, but this is almost like a direct copy almost with a few variants here and there with different characters, but like even Quentin, yeah. Quentin's name is in turn of the screw, or is it Quentin or is it Quent? It's something so similar, if not the same yeah. exact name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I mean, possible. Yeah, that's possible. Sure. I mean, no, well, do you know that, you know, and of course, this is this is probably in the next, but Rachel Drummond uh, and Catherine Lay Scott's character, and I guess we're going to talk about that in a minute. You know, Rachel Drummond is the name of the character from Inherit the Wind. I don't know if you remember that, that movie with uh, Spencer Tracy and um, Frederick March and Dick York uh, and, 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 uh, and of all people, uh, Gene Kelly, uh, who betrayed a great... But anyway, Rachel Drummond is the name of the uh, minister's daughter. Uh, and, and I don't know where, how they... I don't know whether that was coincidence or not. Uh, but it's a, but it's a kind of a similar character, uh, because, you know, Rachel is very, the Rachel Drummond in in Harold the Wind is very conservative. And, uh, she, of course, though, is, she has different dynamics with the, uh, with Dick York's, uh, uh, biology teacher that wants to teach about evolution, uh, as opposed to the Bible. Uh, but, um, I just thought that was weird. I thought that was weird. Yeah, I mean, the, I think I think the problem with adapting Turn of the Screw in Dark Shadows times is that Turn of the Screw is basically about the sexual awakening of the nanny mm-hmm. through, and through her sexual um, attraction to the child acting as this. Miles. And so what you have is 
So you got kind of like a, a bastardized version of it. So it doesn't really quite work to a certain extent. Okay, the idea of the kids being possessed kind of works. But then when you bring Maggie in, it's like, well, you can't really have David coming on oh, to Maggie yeah. in a sexual no. fashion or anything oh, Maggie, like this. For or, God's sake, and all the yeah. all the repressed Victorian because I mean turn of the screw is about Victorian sexual repression. That's right. what the whole thing's about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. okay, so it's kind of weird that, you know that when they're trying to do this that's why some of the kind of works and some of it it's very uneven the way it works especially like when you get you see, maggie yeah. you know maggie yeah. going, you know who are you talking to well you see more and, of and that, that little bit of yeah. victoria coming into there as well because right victoria right it's a lead in the beginning of this storyline so right right at the same time well you see more I of do. that let's say go back to 1897 then you really do see the sexual repression in full force and I think yeah. in, on various levels. And so I think it's it's because it is Victorian. And Victorian society was, that was what it was all about. Well, everybody uh, was doing it. You just weren't talking about it is what well, was going on. It was done in yeah, those doors. I think another thing that you have with the problem with this, the turn of the screw as well, is, is that in turn of the screw, basically when the nanny comes into into it, she she knows about, Everyone in the household knows about what happened with the governess and the groundskeeper. Right. And yeah. It's like this big secret. Here we got Quentin and no one knows anything about Quentin or knows anything about that. And you know what's annoying house. about and- like this? That what's annoying is that it's like when storylines like this come up, everyone within the Dark Shadows family that lives in that house, knowing full well since season one, episode one, that there's ghosts in the house, Wait, there's ghosts? Yeah. I didn't know that. How did you know that, David? It's like, I heard Elizabeth and David ha- having this conversation. And I'm like, wait, what? And that's why I feel like I'm constantly watching like a, re- a soft reboot of the show. Because it yeah. is kind of like they're redoing the, the pilot, but with like different elements. And rather than David just randomly turning into a good person, the reason why he's a naughty child that like plays pranks on his governess is because he's possessed by a demon. In, in or, fact, uh, spirit. Yeah, I agree with you, Jesse. And in fact, there's, but there is an interesting scene where they have Hennessy doing a soliloquy, and it's in six eighty episode six eighty eight. If anybody is keeping up, and he sounds to me like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. Please, there's no place like home, you know that kind of thing. I mean, all you got all you're wondering is whether he has ruby slippers that he can touch three, that he can tap three <laughs> times. Uh, and, and and I think and and, and Hennessy just does that once in this entire block. Uh, and then, of course, you have the blooper right there of a of a music blooper, which ended the music ended too soon, and then there's just dead air. Uh, shame on them, but the but I I think that one of the things that I have to point out, and especially with this this whole this whole block, very few bloopers, very few bloopers, and and especially when we get to eighteen ninety seven, and I'll shut my mouth because we got plenty to talk about there, but but if you really look, I mean, you know the 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 attention 
to getting rid of this. It, it, it was really like now, of course, Leela Swift was running after this. They brought back Violet Wells from the first year, who was a writer in the first year. And they brought her back to do some of the writing on this. And I think mm-hmm. that was probably one of the reasons, of course, but Hall, but Hall uh, Russell, uh, Leela Swift in terms of the director, and especially Henry Kaplan, who now comes to the fore as you're going to start to see him direct some stuff uh, in, in scene one. Uh, and he and he gets more, but he was, and I'll uh, repeat, he was one of David Selby's favorite directors uh, because Kaplan was apparently able to do some things that none of the other directors, and yes, Leela Swift was a specialist when it comes to special effects and so forth. But Henry Kaplan uh, had a new take on this that we that we didn't see before, and it, and it starts to happen in scene one. I do kind of wonder, though, I don't think any of the people in that house have ever read the Collins family history book. No, really not. They don't even know any of these people who make pop ups. Well, it's, you know, what an interesting point there because what what does the Collins family history book say about what happened to Quentin? That he went to Paris and that was it? Nobody ever heard of him? Yeah, well, I mean, mean, the same kind of storyline with um, Barnabas. Barnabas, he went to England. You know, so. So, yeah. But you just think that, you know, even Barnabas, like, being so enthralled with the family history or whatever, you think that he would have, like, wanted to read that book that was... Yeah, you think like, he you know, would be the one person, but Vicky, who's now gone, seemed to be the only person who was really fascinated with the family history, so maybe she would have been the person to consult at that time, but well, the book, no one else... The book came know. back, and, didn't it? It came back from the past, so yeah. now it's back in the present, right. so... Right. Yeah, so and maybe, maybe changes were erased. I don't know. <laughs> and then you got Julia going down to the um, the lofty, you know, the damp basement looking for an old photo album. It's like, who leaves their photo albums in a damp basement? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she winds up, and she winds up looking, uh, finding Beth's photograph. Uh, which is <laughs> old sepia and poor uh, what's her name Terry Crawford, uh, you know, uh, and uh, and yeah, and I think and and we have Terry Crawford in this. Do we have it in scene one or is that more in scene two? Uh, oh, I think it's more in scene two. So I'll stop. I mean, I do have to sit there and say that um, from a realistic point of view. If that's the way that the Stoddards and the Collins people have their keep their filing, I mean, they got. I mean, God forbid the tax man shows up and wants to look at their taxes. It's like, oh, they're just down there in the drafty bat. Well, that's what they got lawyers for. That's they're what they filing, got. They're filing. They're filing. Just go down there. Just that's what they got everywhere. Richard Garner for, so he can so he can <laughs> hide yeah. the books. Cook the books is, um, you know, that's more like it. Cook the books with the fire. I also noticed that if you pay attention to, like, um, I think it was the character of Edith, the older lady, if you listen to a lot of, like, people from this period, they seem to have a greater understanding of their history than the modern rendition of the Collins family, which is kind of frustrating because you always, they do a lot of talk about, I know this about yeah. our family. Like, I'm so well-educated on my history and my family. But then when it comes to moments like this, they almost know nothing. And you need the help of some, like, like an outsider, even but, though, like, yeah, Barnabas be should know something. Because be he honest, lived through very... The Quentin storyline, we're only talking about um, Joan Bennett's grandmother. Yeah. Her yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Not very far yeah. removed. They're not that very far removed. It's not like it's like knowing about your grand, your great grandparents or your grandparents. 
really. You know, so I can understand, like, in the 1795, they may not know so much about that, but I just think that maybe Joan would be, or, um, God, what's it? Elizabeth. Sorry, jump in. You would think that Elizabeth would be a bit more keyed on about her grandparents or her mom's mom. No, you think so. Well, both of them, really, Elizabeth and Roger. Uh, Now, what was it? Edward was the, was it Jameson? uh, Was Jameson the father of Roger and Elizabeth? Is that what that was? Yeah, I think Jameson. And 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 so so then Edward is. So you just think that maybe they would have been a little bit more keyed up because, I mean, you know, Jameson and Quentin. Edward's the grandfather. but, um, But at this point in time, if you think about. 1960, and let's say Elizabeth's what 50 maybe. So that that brings you back to like 1910. That was she was born. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. And then you know, and then the you know, and Quentin's in 1897. So that's that's not that far removed. Well, there's another little blooper because they're talking about they were talking about a letter that was received in 1887 uh, when Quentin wrote to Jameson. Now, if uh, Jameson was around 10 or 11 years old in 1897, he'd probably be one or two years old in, in 1887. So I'd like to know how precocious he was, uh, that he could read, that he could read the letter. <laughs> Can't quite get to him. <laughs> I, I just thought that, I just thought things Jameson like that. Jameson was the Doogie Howser of 1897. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Oh God! I mean, I, I quite—I mean, I quite like. I mean, I—I I like. It's kind of funny because you're kind of watching these episodes and you're like, okay, get on with it and stuff like this. And, you know, it does. You know, it kind of drags here and there. But you know, when we get to the, some of the other scenes that we're going to be discovering, you know, discussing, it does have a. It does. You do get a payoff because of these, though. I have to say that that's quite nice that we didn't get. Um, yeah. We didn't get a bunch of. Drop offs, where it's just like storylines just disappear for no apparent reason. It's like, where did that go? So, you know, so we do get, so we, we do get a little bit of a, we get some bridging going on, which is quite nice. Which well, I think that's an important, I think there's cohesiveness through, oh, yeah. this, through this here. I agree. I feel like there's a lot of attention to detail too, like even with the exorcism of the house and like even if it's not yeah, super cool. accurate information, it's still like, very unique and it works for the story that they're telling and i i even though these become redundant i feel like if you watch these consecutively without taking a break it's much easier to get through and it's actually much more interesting because i remember the first time i watched this i would watch these before bed i'd fall asleep and i'd, I'd start from like the same episode i feel like I, I feel like i was in some kind of weird cycle of hell where i was just seeing the same thing I'm like oh my god when is this going to end but when you watch it consecutively like maybe at a better time during the day or in the evening it's so much easier to get through and i was doing them while what you know um, doing some charcoal for um for school and i was able to watch them then and i thought it was much better to do that that way because otherwise they can be redundant otherwise but there's so much information too like if you if you miss something i think that can also lead to a lot of confusion too um because they're there are missing gaps, I think, in the story in a way, but mostly I think they do a very good job of doing this. I, mean, I have to I agree with you. I kind of watch the series yeah. same way that you do. On, on Saturdays is my editing day. So I get up in the morning, make my cup of tea, get my computer out, put in um, Dark Shadows and watch three hours of it while I'm doing my editing. And, it's, and it, watching it flow, it works out really, really well. 
Um, I do find that um, if I just watch it without doing something else, I tend to fall asleep a little bit sometimes because there is a yeah. lot, there is repetition, but it is a daytime soap and you have to have repetition because you have to remember the time of day it's on. And you got to remember that housewives weren't always available, you know, at a certain time. Sometimes they had to do <laughs> yeah. so if they had to miss a day or two for whatever reason, they, you know, they had to, you had to make sure they were able to get back into the right. episode because, you know, they're not, you can't wait for summer reruns. Not but again, reruns, they're, so. they're yeah. trying to figure out, they're trying to figure out the plot. And, and, and there's a very mm-hmm. early thing where, and I don't know whether it was Magda's spirit when she was running around, uh, you know, trying to warn everybody. Uh, but there was somewhere along the line, there was this storyline that, that yes, a curse was inflicted on Quentin. And we're going to find out later what that right. curse was, but that he, that Quentin died because a hunter was going after him uh, and shot him. And that is totally, totally not what happened. Uh, so maybe history <laughs> really has changed. Change that, don't they? Maybe history, <laughs> that was one of the, but they were just trying to figure out how the hell we, how the hell are we going to explain Quentin's being such an evil ghost? Uh, but it was completely, completely changed. And then they never, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they never, uh, you know, of course, the other the other prevailing belief was that it was Quentin's body that was uh, mu- that was skeletonized uh, that they found yeah. in in Quentin's uh, in Quentin's room. Now it turns out that that's not Quentin, and we're going to we're going to find out who that was. But you know, but the two alternate plot lines were going on. People were figuring, well, that's Quentin, that's Quentin in the room. But then there's another thing going on that Quentin was killed by a hunter. And I'm like, what the heck is that about? And that was and just you, but the other thing you have to remember though that um at this point there is no Barnabas in the storyline in that eighteen ninety seven storyline, so he could have changed in the it. original that's correct because he was sleeping he was, he was so maybe this is now. what happened, but then when we get to eighteen ninety seven all of a sudden Barnabas is now in the picture coming back, and now we have a that's going to change everything and like seventeen ninety five what we got with you know with that. And that pretty Ange- much changed mm-hmm. the whole storyline of what apparently did happen. And as Angelique, yeah, Barnabas played the role of Victoria, play, Victoria, Victoria in this one. <laughs> but I, I hate, yeah. I hate the fake fur on its cape. It, it looks like, like it. freaking cheap carpet. It looks like cheap carpet. It was real fur. I it like awesome. it. Who's this? If it was real fur, it would look great. But this is like cheap carpet. That's the only reason why I don't like it. Is, it. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't look totally like faux fur. We also have Barnabas playing a father figure, taking you know Roger's place, and what kind yep. of father he. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, you know what else is funny? Because Roger's never around when there's something of responsibility. Well, he's, he's gone to London to see the queen. Remember, he's gone to London to see the queen. Don't you think? But another, I mean, that's got a nice little role. Got a nice little role thing, and then we also have. We also have Barnabas and Julia working in tandem with this brings us to scene number two, which is right. the ghost of Beth appears to Chris and shows him a place in the woods where a child's coffin is located. Chris begins to feel he is changing and Barnabas rushes into the mausoleum. Ned Stewart shows up and tells Barnabas about his sister Sabrina. Oh, with a vegetable. <laughs> with a vegetable. No, yeah. Good old Lisa Richards. Good old Lisa Richards who plays Sabrina. Sabrina sees Barnabas' wolf head, pain, and begins to remember the events of two years earlier. Barnabas and Julia go to the secret room to find that Chris is a werewolf and no full moon, and Julia decides there's a connection between Chris and Quentin. 
The um, only other person I've ever heard say vegetable was like Victor from Young and the Restless, and yeah. I only ever watched. She that was episode, young. She was beautiful, it. and now she's a vegetable. <laughs> vegetable. <laughs> I have to admit, when Roger Davis um, character coming back in as Ned, now, I right. don't know why they brought Roger Davis back yeah. in as Ned. It was kind of he's Ned, and then he comes back as somebody. Uh, Derek Wilkins. That's later. Yeah. but yeah. you know what was annoying but, about but that? They it was acknowledged kind of just, it. It was kind of disarming to see him back, sort of thing, because it was kind of, it was kind of weird. That quick, I think could, and I oh, think because yeah. uh, the storyline doesn't really go that that far, really, at right. this at this moment in time. I think they probably could have got a day player to come in a little bit, maybe, because seeing Roger Davis, I'm not saying that Roger Davis is bad whatsoever. Nothing about no. that. But it's kind of like character, though. He's kind of, kind of weird. Weird. Again, the writers. all the characters acknowledge him and say, "Oh my God, you look like this one guy that just left the show." And yeah, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. don't need to acknowledge it. You're making it more awkward by making uh, light of well, it. Well, they wanted it's to they wanted to establish a connection with the fans. I was just talking with Roger yesterday about and and Ned Stewart was not a favorite character of his. He liked the Dirk Wilkins character a lot better in terms of what eventually happens to Dirk, which is, again, another thing we're going to talk about later. But, um, again, you know, the Ned Stewart was really a heavy, uh, who was uh, Sabrina's brother, and he is very protective of Sabrina uh, because uh, she she is indeed a vegetable now. that protective of her. He could have found that woman a comb, okay? (laughs) Somebody brush that girl's hair. You could be crazy and still have hygiene. And toilet training, too. (laughs) Toilet (laughs) stuff, yeah, too, for for her. Can you you well imagine? Yeah, he's her private duty nurse. Now, if he were were a nurse, as (laughs) if it was established that he were a male nurse. He's always touching her. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Especially it's about this relationship between the brother and sister. It was, a very, it was very odd. I don't know if that's what was meant to show up. No, I don't think, so. I don't think they too. meant it that yeah. way for people with minds such as ours. If this was Ryan Murphy, he would fully take advantage of this and go a step further with it. We already know this. <laughs> but I think that um, in, in, this, in this scene, um, when we talk of Don Briscoe's Chris, um, we really, and of course, the only problem I think with 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 Briscoe is the is the overacting is he's changing into a werewolf and he's like, ah, 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 you know and he's going through a prolonged seizure episode that lasts five to ten or minutes. Preparation age, whichever happens. <laughs> <laughs> good. Seriously, that's good. <laughs> seriously, though, it's like nothing exceeds like excess, you know. <laughs> And he turns well, into a giant preparation H bottle instead of uh, it's the giant preparation H tube instead of a werewolf. But huge um, <laughs> continuity problems with the werewolf anyway. I mean, yeah. to be honest, it's like he's out there, he's running around. You know, people see him. No one understands why they're seeing. It's a dog with clothes on. Okay, <laughs> That's something. And yes, but when he transforms back, he has fully dressed a wrinkle. <laughs> His clothes oh, and there's, are yeah, there's, there's a scene true, in the mausoleum. Oh my God! There's a scene in the mausoleum. I mean, you know, when he's when he trans- and Barnabas finds him, he's he's still dressed in his uh, his spotless sport jacket and pants and shirt. And there's no, you know, I mean, at least before you had the ripped shirts, uh, which uh, even Vicky, Lon Chaney had ripped pants and shirts. Sure he did. Sure he did. 
You know, and then at least Lon Chaney took off his shoes before he came into a werewolf. You know, but 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 here and that was ridiculous. <laughs> where 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 they find him? Where Barnabas finds him in the mausoleum, and he and he looks like he's just gotten back from dinner. You know, uh, at, at a fancy <laughs> restaurant. I mean, uh, a clean yeah, well, shave you you want to even go up more one. I don't even know if it'd be accepted in this day, but if they are David and, 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 you know, and, and Magda come out with black or brown face, they probably get, you know, eviscerated <laughs> today's society. Oh yeah. You got to say something about <laughs> you know, it. We, I, we also, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I also I mean, thought it was in. I love I'm it sorry. though. It's funny. I, I have to say that. I mean, even the last block when Elizabeth goes, I I saw a dog that was going to attack me, and it's like the dog wearing clothes. <laughs> what kind of dog wearing clothes? <laughs> these are, you, days, are you being attacked by Paris Hilton's dog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but these days, they do put clothes on dogs, so it could work. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Back then, it was a little too soon. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe. But um, I, I did enjoy the, like, the husband and wife kind of energy I was getting from Barnabas and Julie because they it's I like love those two over. in this block it's way they're so bouncing up each other they, they feel like a married couple finally it's like this is like their domestic routine now yeah. and it's very interesting and they're just kind of taking care of Chris who's like their adopted child but I also have a hard time like because of what else is going on with like David and Amy and Quentin like going back from that and then going to Chris Jennings storyline is kind of like hard for me. I, I don't have as much interest in Chris Jennings story. Maybe he's too bland for me. I don't know. There's just, they I haven't love developed his storyline. I just wish that they would be more accepting of the supernatural because they are surrounded by the supernatural, oh, but yet they're going, oh, werewolves can't exist. we got ra- vampires and witches and everywhere. Weird. It's weird because it when Barnabas is beginning to feel like more of a skeptic than he was because I mean he's a, he was a freaking vampire so it's like why are you still why are how you can you be a skeptic like, when he's been the undead uh, yeah I know I know <laughs> it's weird like they're always so bewildered like oh my god this isn't possible it's supernatural it's like but you've been involved in so many supernatural accounts since you debuted so like what are you talking about <laughs> there's no awareness yeah, I, I think of I think the problem the show. I, I think the problem lies with the balancing here because what you have is Barnabas dealing with Quentin and David and Amy and that whole thing. Meanwhile, yeah. dealing with the werewolf at the same time. And you're thinking they might have been able, they should have been a bit more clever about interlocking a story. So basically, if you're going to have someone else dealing with the Quentin side of it and then someone else dealing with the Quentin side of it, because you got Barnabas running back from, from the cottage to the old house, you know, from the, to the new yeah. house. It feels like he's running away. Oh, werewolf, (laughs) werewolf, possession, possession, werewolf, werewolf, possession, possession. And like, okay, Barnabas, okay. It's like, and a normal man would have gone crazy by this point. Yeah, Barnabas has got to keep it all together, doesn't he? He's He's the only one that knows anything that's going on. Everybody else is like totally clueless. I also remember to quote that Barnabas told Maggie when he was looking for uh, background information on Quentin. Like uh, these family histories aren't very accurate sometimes, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure they wrote that for various reasons. Because for one, they weren't accurate with Barnabas, so it felt like a kind of joke reference to that. But also, it kind of gave the writers an excuse to be inconsistent. (laughs) So I felt like that was kind of like open invitation to, oh yeah, so we can we can mix and meddle whatever we feel like here, and just kind of tailor it for whatever we need for that day. Right. Um, Because I feel like they do that a lot, but and. I mean, I guess it works. I guess it's kind of clever, but 
I feel like a lot of shows have done that, and I've seen that so many different times that it's kind of redundant. But I, well, I but, feel like but, but, but you got to remember, though, this was 50 years ago, and they were probably exactly. the first to do this. Because I remember no, that, exactly. other soap operas had tried. I mean, you had, um, was it The Guiding Light with Quentin McCord? They tried to do that with him, the, the archaeologist. And then you had Port Charles, who were trying to incorporate vampires and stuff. But, you know, they couldn't ever spin it. I mean, you just yeah. could not replicate no, it. It was never as good as Shadow. No, no, no. And poor Charles had a True. spinoff for a while. It was about vampires. And it's just like, I've been watching General Hospital for 50 years. It's like, come on, guys. You know, this is a real stretch for General Hospital. No, I mean, I know I'm looking at this with a critical eye, but I, this is one of my favorite storylines, and it is one of my favorite shows. This is the best I so feel far. Like, I mean, I actually yeah. could not stop watching this. That's why I was jumping ahead. I know. I didn't, I didn't want to stop watching so it either, better. but I had... But yeah, it was it went on a brief dry spell, and there are some dry episodes, but it's mostly it's mostly consistent, and they they did kind of breathe life back into it, especially after Victoria left. I feel like it it was kind of hard to usher back in um, a kind of new spirit, which I feel like they did, and. I, I am kind of disappointed. It was funny that... when they opened the door. <laughs> they opened the door, and he's in. Chris Jennings is still a werewolf because he's not supposed to be a werewolf, <laughs> right. and he's oh, just yeah, like yeah, looking yeah. like so it's like they opened the bathroom door or something, you know. <laughs> he just turns around and looks at him. <laughs> then they shut the door. It's like what was that? <laughs> I think I think the problem with um, the two storylines that we got here is that. Normally what you do is you have if what you normally find with Dark Shadows or any other show, whatever it is, you normally have a major storyline and then you have like yeah. a lesser major storyline going on. So that way so that we got you know the other characters that's something to do. Here you got two major storylines going on simultaneously. So it's kinda like and it's that before yeah, and, the and, with, and then the one and when the two actors, you know, Julie and Barnabas dealing with both major storylines are kinda like so I think I think that's probably why it it always kind of because the, the werewolf storyline is a great storyline. Yeah, and the other the Quentin storyline that we're getting with that, that that's a good storyline as well. But they're very uneven because the thing is you're bouncing back and forth to these huge storylines which are running simultaneously. Yeah, and they're not interlocking very well. They're, you know they're supposed to interlock because Chris is a werewolf and Quentin was at one point. But how did they interlock right now? It's it's just it's really not evident. And you're um, not I don't think why Quentin's after you know we're still not sure what the Quentin and Chris Jennings story of you know, the beat. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's okay though. I think that's okay though to you know because you know they they want to they they want to the writers want to establish a potential relationship. We we don't know what that relationship is. Why are the two of them? Uh, who you know this you know I mean with different names and why are the two of them both years apart from each other exactly and and, you know and and so and and that's okay because we're going to find out a lot later what that relationship is and it's kind of obvious uh, probably the you know for people you know even who for the newbies uh, who are looking at that but you know but you but you don't want to give away the secret uh among all the other secrets you don't want to give away the secret yet so you know so that part you know, I, I think I think it's good. But I but I will say that it is interesting and I, I don't remember I'm probably we're gonna find out, but I don't remember why uh Chris does not change back 
into Chris once the, you know, with, you know, once the, uh, during, you know, during daylight. I don't, I don't know why that's happening. And maybe we'll find that out later. I don't remember that, but we don't see that in this block. And that is an interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's something you don't see in chain, in the chaining. Juan Chaining, he always changes back with the sun. But I was here, just wondering if they, if they snuck up on Alex, you know, by, you know, when he was sitting in the mausoleum, because he just kind of turns around and looks at him like he wasn't expecting the door to open, you know, probably That's not. Was laughing. Probably so, not, I mean, you know, but I mean, <laughs> and how is he going to know, quite, quite frankly, unless they unless he gets a cue and they're probably too damn busy. You know, I mean, if, if, if you look, actually, and there was a. One of the, and I think that that you know Penny Dreadful, who uh, one of the really, and of course we had her on, Danielle uh, got some pictures uh, that were taken of the Dark Shadow set by one of the crew, uh, and that was really during much later. But you see the way, you know, everything, <laughs> everything looked in the um, in the background. And you just don't see, you don't always, it's not just the cameras. You see the coffee cups everywhere. You know, the people, you know, they put their coffee on top of equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a mess. And that, that, those are great. Those are great rare shots that were never really seen before until like maybe a couple of months ago. And so you really get the impression that, you know, something if Alex Stevens didn't know when this door was going to open, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Because they were too busy concentrating on other things, and they probably forgot. They, they didn't think he needed to know, uh, you know. And and why? Do, I mean, other than other than gritting his bottom teeth, you know. I and mean, what is he supposed to do? You know that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that was a good pickup, Vicky. And I think that that may have had something to do with it. They didn't think they had to tell him uh, about this uh, when the door is going to be open. She so probably might have been surprised. Now, and it's just kind of sitting there, minding his own business. We don't really get an ending to the Ned Sabrina thing. That's it, isn't it? No, that's it. Yeah, it's a little annoying. No, later, though, we we do pick up on uh, when they go back to the present, and this is going ahead. We're okay. going to get into this uh, takeoff on Werewolf of London, and uh, you know, not going to go into it any further than that, but we will get more of an impression. And that's basically in terms of a possibility for Chris's cure. Uh, so we, so we do get into that thing, but like yeah, I, I said, know, I didn't know if that's going to be one of your storylines, you know, where just basically just, cause, cause, you know, we are, we do go back in time during this block, which we'll be discussing, but right, sometimes right. they go back, get back. In time and, they go, and then they go back to the presence. Like people get lost. Started and just been dropped off. So, yeah, I feel like it's hard for them to come back as the characters they were before the crazy well, characters changed. that flying back in time. Yeah, and everything's changed, and they're trying to find themselves. You always get that kind of sense that they're trying to find where they left off with the first mm-hmm. few episodes. <laughs> and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I- I'm I'm kind of annoyed, and I really don't care about like the storyline between like, the romance between Carolyn and um, Chris. Face. Like I don't care that they fizzled out. I don't really. I don't know. It's just well, I would like to see some form of romance going on. Somebody making it on this yeah, show. Yeah, but the, the way that they're doing it, it's so loose. You don't really see enough of it to care. You just see kind of, you, you know what's going on. And then all of a sudden you realize they were more romantically involved or interested in each other than you realized because you didn't really 
Marilyn was really involved with him, and I was surprised to see. Yeah, she's in love with him for God's sakes, and he's, yeah. he's again. It's the one that he can't, she can't have him. Well, you know that kind of thing. The and only he, young guy in Collinsport. <laughs> The only good-looking guy in Collinsport. Because <laughs> every time, because every time someone comes, every time someone comes and visits the family, they're normally like forty plus. <laughs> no, that's true. I remember my my fraternal twin brother. He came into the room once when I was watching Dark Shadows. He's like, "What is this Twilight with old people?" And I'm like, "No, it's better." <laughs> Twilight for old people. Yeah, because there's only like forty plus actors in the show. And you know, I except I for never, David and Amy, except for David yeah, and true, Amy. Yeah, true, true. Well, but before I mean, it was but just David. All in their, the girls are all in their twenties, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you, you still have, have Maggie. You only have, two, you only have two girls. You don't have any other guys in their twenties. The only guy you have in their in their twenties is. Chris but they are in a minority, though. They are. Yeah, in yeah and the ones that come on always leave. Like did Joe's not, not around. Why he did that? Frank Garner's gone. Um, Frank Garner's been gone forever, though. I know, and Ned Stewart isn't very interesting, so who cares? Um, he's just, he, he's the same yeah, kind of Johnson character. With a little... What happened to him? <laughs> he went back to take care of the ships or go on fishing or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he I don't remember myself. That's how interesting it is. And, uh, and once again, uh, you know, Roger thought that character was ridiculous. And, um, you know, and the Dirk Wilkins, that, that, that's going to be more uh, of, a central, uh, of, of a central thing. We're going to find out what, what I mean, goes Adam on. goes for plastic surgery, never to be seen again. <laughs> Adam went into that yeah. room and Professor Stokes. He's living his uh, best life. What can, what can I say? I mean, he, 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 he's, he's probably a wealthy billionaire now. He's still living it's in so the It's so hard watching Thayer David do that gypsy thing, though. I mean, I was like, it just, it oh, just drives me right the heck up. Magda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course, yeah, also, is... that was Grayson Hall's okay. famous uh, favorite role. Also, now that's why that was Grayson Hall loved Magda. She loved her oh, better she's than really Julia. Fun. Because she because her grandmother, uh, Grayson Hall's grandmother, was Russian, and you know oh, she had a Russian a Russian Jewish background. So you know, so she was really. Uh, enthralled with the uh, Zandor, my favorite fat Zandor, you know yeah. that kind of thing, and uh, and he is, and and you want me to do something for you? How much? Yeah, <laughs> she she puts <laughs> out her head, you know, <laughs> you know that kind of thing, um, you know, and and the two of them, and I'll tell you something, and that's something that isn't, well, but that's later. I mean, because we're still we're talking about the present, but the Magda Zandor relationship is kind of you know this, they love each other, they're. They're a den of thieves together, but you know, but they, but they care about each other, and uh, you know, and it's comic relief, but at the same time, poor Xandor, you know, a victim of of one of Barnabas's male bites, and uh, you know, and and and, and so forth. But um, at least we've moved to the neck. At least we're getting brave. Oh, they get brave. brave No more, no more hand. No more sheep. So we're There's not no homophobic more... anymore on Dark Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> In point of fact, there are at least two men that Barnabas bites, and we're not going to say who the first, the second one is, but uh, definitely Xandor is the first. And uh, when and when Frid bared his fangs, there was a special smile, uh, you know that kind. Of, you know, but uh, no, I mean, you know, but but the point is that. Um, the uh, but they are getting a little bolder, but they know they cannot have a man biting a man and a woman biting a woman, and they just didn't want to touch that one. 
They didn't want to touch it. And you're going to see later on, actually, you're going to see a couple of uh, woman-woman vampire relationships, which are not explicitly shown on Dark Side. Really, the hunger was never put on this early. <laughs> that came No, from- that was later. That was later. <laughs> Catherine Deneuve. <laughs> yeah, Catherine and uh, Susan Sarandon. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was much later. Our podcast later this season. No, that's true. <laughs> Shameless plug. Season three, scene three. Professor Stokes performs an exorcism on Collinswood, but Clinton sets the room on fire. Everyone abandons Collinswood to live at the old house with no modern conveniences. Clinton's <laughs> evil laugh is heard throughout. David and Amy go back to Collinswood to destroy the antique phone. Maggie is oh, dressed in a 19th century gown and can't remember her name. Maggie and Barnabas search the West Wing. David goes in a coma-like state. So, Vicky, what are your thoughts of this storyline? Oh, the exorcism? <laughs> <laughs> the exorcism. I always like a good Collinwood exorcism. What would call me with a, a good loud exorcism? And do these guys ever get any good weather? Is it constantly yeah. raining? Yeah. I went to school in New England and I've been to Maine several times and I don't recall that many thunderstorms. I'm just saying right now. Well, Maine was kind of sunny. It's 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 thundering and lightning, but you never get any rain. You don't even get any wind. It's just and then Maggie, thunder. Of course, Maggie loses her mind again. Why is it she's so forgiving? Every time something happens to Maggie, they make her forget. Oh, it. I know. Or baby, another I entity know. makes her lose her memories. You know, Maggie's just walking around with no memories. I mean, everything happens to Maggie. It's like the perils of Pauline with this girl, don't you think? Well, they don't have Victoria now, so everything has to happen to Maggie because now she's taking on the role of both Maggie. And Victoria, and so now everything happens to her. Now I can kind of understand. We have to have our our helpless heroine. Now I can understand why Tim Burton did merge the two characters because I I think this is when you get a sense that the two did merge. I hate that idea, but I know why he did it now. Like upon seeing this again, because like I said before, this is kind of a soft reboot of the whole show in a way because they're redoing like the governess coming on, except Victoria's leaving, so Maggie has to replace her. I also have to say that I miss. Okay, like, who put Maggie stronger... in the 19th century dress? Do ghosts just go disrobe humans now ghost and rape. change their clothes? Yeah, this is a <laughs> ghost rape. That's like a problem. This is the forecut. You know, this is basically you know the foreshadowing of Barbara Hershey's character in the entity. Scalping. What was that movie called? Oh, it was High Spirits or something. With Peter O'Toole. Oh, yeah. He to scalp. <laughs> Scalpy. I miss I Maggie's know. strong character role, though. I, I don't, I do I don't too. like this naive, like, I don't know anything. And she questions herself. Like, there is this, hold on, I think I have a quote written down somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, my God, it was so irritating to me. It's like she would know that she's seen something. Like, I saw a man... And she couldn't explain it. Like, even though someone spelled it out for her, she kept trying to explain it, even though someone already said it was a ghost. And then she's still trying to explain It's like, did I see it or didn't I? And then when someone says, you didn't see that, or if they agree with her, then she acts shocked. Barnabas, you can't agree with me. I didn't actually see it. Like, I'm going to see if I can find the quote because it was so irritating. Is it just me or is Rachel and Barnabas getting sweet on each other? Well, we're not to that point yet. We're still on. Um, oh, okay. Well, yeah, well, yeah but Rachel's good mooning at him around this point, though. 
Yeah, no, but we're we're in scene Maggie three. Still later Maggie. on. That's in scene okay, four. We still know we're in the nineteenth. We're still in the present. We're still in the present in scene three. Oh, uh, that's right. We are. Say, I do. I do like. I do like that system of the house. Though I do wonder is where in the old house did Willie have to hurry up and like get the other bedrooms ready because they only have Josette's bedroom that's not ever been done. <laughs> the rest of the we had to do well, everybody stays in Josette's bedroom too. Did you notice? And that's why I mean, does he? Is it because he just refuses to accept electricity and stuff like that? Is that? I mean, he just wants to live like he did in the seventeen hundreds. That's right. why. Well, are the? I mean, is basically is Mrs. Johnson basically just roasting things on the pit? And is she cooking like on like a just? Well, a that's pit? what I'm wondering. Who's cooking? And are, Who's and doing are they just stuff? like? And are they just running out to the outhouse to use the bathroom? Well, they must have running water, right? I'm assuming they have running water at least. No, no, they don't. I think that they should all move to a hotel rather than yeah, go to the old they house. Gone they should have the in. <laughs> well, they've already been chased out because of Quentin at this point. I'm assuming that's right. right? That's right. Yeah. And, so couldn't so they, they all go up to the old house? So basically, they're all living in the old house, which is kind of like. Well, the thing just, is, they're supposed to stay out of Collinwood, but you notice they go back to Collinwood more than they're supposed to. Well, and that's David suppo- and Amy going back and forth. Well, David and Amy go back, and Maggie runs after him. But by the way, there will be an old house with electricity, but we're not going to see that for a long time. Right. But remember what I'm talking about. There will be an old house with electricity, but not here. And uh, the, you know, it's uh, maybe the reason why Quentin was laughing so much. Maybe the reason why Quentin was laughing so much was was because he knew that he was sending them back to a house with no bathroom facilities. (laughs) So I think I think another problem is is that basically we know that Liz owns a number of properties. Right. Yeah. Chris is at the cottage. I mean, they could have kicked Chris out and put him in the cottage, or. What about the house that she gave to Victorian Burke back in the day? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they could have moved mm-hmm. there. Had electricity, had a nice view of the, the cliff. The this is true. Why is it forgotten to think about those that? Things. You're not supposed to think about those things. So. But the, but yeah, the whole thing too hard. Kind of wonders, like, you know, they're all like living at Barnabas's old house, where basically that Willie's basically only done, but only been able to do a couple of rooms because if he had, Poor because before he was able to do the rest of the house, they locked him up a window list. Then I'm they surprised they didn't carry. Then he's carrying Willie errands all the time. I'm he surprised they didn't carry Willie to Wincliffe. I think really I'm, not, I'm surprised they didn't carry Willie to Wincliffe with all the pressure that he was under to get everything going there. Yeah. No, yeah. I almost forgot about Willie, and then all of a sudden you you get just the smallest cameo to remember. Oh yeah, he's here too. Because yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since we actually seen him as like a. We haven't you know, seen a good caning in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> gone. Yeah, we miss those. Gone? We miss those. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, Adam go. I mean, did he go with Adam to help Adam get his plastic surgery? I mean, that's the last time we saw him. Was when he was in the I know, everything just changed instantaneously. Adam's gone. Everything just Joe. Joe yeah. disappeared. So Joe's yeah. in Wincliffe. Like, they, they, they got rid of Joe. They put him in Wincliffe in the straitjacket. Yeah, that would have been that, you, think that, you think that Carolyn or Elizabeth would go, so, um, Dr. Hoffman, how's Joe doing at Wincliffe since he's one of your patients? Yeah. <laughs> well, the I ironic how, thing, and we're I not going to... F- I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I love how Julia just knows all that there is to know about supernatural, like how to treat werewolves. And I mean, does she have like supernatural manuals on how to treat these supernatural beings? I just think it's a She's always got drugs. If you notice, she's always trying to get people a sedative. Instead of passing her on caramel, she's passing her on sedatives to anyone who wants one. Oh, know? yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's a sedative. Here's a sedative. You know. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that I startled you. You know, that that's another thing. And I mean, would, would she have put, like, cough syrup on a baby's pacifier and pacify <laughs> it and put it to no, sleep brandy. that way? I don't know. Brandy and brandy, sherry. Brandy, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's what they did in the Back day. in the day, though, you could get all that stuff. I mean, they used to prescribe like gangbusters back then, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm. I mean, Julia's always got an injection ready to inject anyone who needs it. Yeah, and, and don't forget her magic pendulum. I didn't yeah. see that. Ugly block. Did she still have it in this block? Mm, I don't. I don't seen she it. hasn't been. Seen <laughs> she did on Tom. She did on Tom. I think. Yeah, she and did. She wants to figure out if she if he saw um what the hell is her name Terry Crawford's character uh, Beth Beth. Yeah. You mean Chris? You mean she did it on Chris? Yeah, to see yeah. if um, she saw Beth, or she saw Beth, my bad. Right, 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 right. She did it with Chris. I mean, yeah. Julia's not dispensing drugs, um, Elizabeth is. Yeah, true. You, you know what would have been a cool method for her to hypnotize people? I know it's not very conducive, but maybe her hand they just have to fit it in. But you know one of those triangles that has that clock that goes, like, that sound? What is, what is that called? Metronome. 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 Metronome? Metronome. Or, okay, yeah, I, that or would metronome. be cool. I've always wanted to see that used as a way to hypnotize people in like a cool movie or something. I don't know why, but that's always been like a cool idea to me. <laughs> it it would have been ball way cooler. Things, the little ball yeah, thing. Yeah, that too. It would have been better than seeing her ugly, weird-looking medallion that has cheap-ass thrift store sequins on it. Well, now the, med- <laughs> yeah, but the medallion is so Julia, though. I'll bet it's fans true. would it's pay at this point. five figures for that medallion it's now. True. They, they would. Oh, easy, darling. Yeah, yeah. So that ugly, cheap medallion wouldn't be so cheap anymore. I keep trying to find that, <laughs> that, 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 that uh, what do you call music it, the box? music box. You cannot yeah, find them anywhere. I know. Anywhere. But the music box? Yeah. Oh no, they're they're still very rare, but they're still they're like four hundred bucks now a piece. I had one, and the cleaning lady destroyed it. I was very oh, pissed off. Death. <laughs> really oh awesome. my god, I would have had that. Out of that. <laughs> but that was so. Th- those those original music box, they were so fragile and like yeah. you know they made them a plastic, you know that kind of thing. Then you got Quentin's theme now. Well, speaking of Quentin, they're, they're beating the hell out of Quentin's theme though. <laughs> yeah, they're driving everyone nuts with it. We'll, we'll get into Especially that in, in the next this scene. context. In this context, it's just kind of like they got a whole block of how they broke down some of the dark shadows. It's called the haunting of Collinwood. Yeah, the haunting of like the curse and all that. Yeah. In yeah. like three hours or something. I yep, think yep, yep. Absolutely. That's and, pretty good. I mean, you have to sit there and say that the exorcism and have Jason the family out was part. It was, it was very interesting. I think they did. Yeah, I thought so too. I, thought so too. I like how Louis like Edmonds that. turns around and says, "We're we'll be back." Don't. Oh, know. that was a, that was the only time where the whatever he said rhymed. You know, we'll be back. Have no fear of that. You know, yeah. that was his, that was. I forget his rhyme. what scene it was, but I got chills from like one moment of the show when someone i think it, i thought it was when david said something but there was one scene and this has only happened the one time i've watched dark shadows when i actually got chills from like 
a lot of the characters. I'm like, wow, that was actually kind of intense. Wow. <laughs> but I can't remember for the life of me what it was now. The only, the only thing I think they missed hours. out on is that when you saw the last scene and basically you saw this empty house, it would have been nice if they did what they did like at Halloween, you know, where right. basically they like, put like, put all the different rooms, like nobody in them, you know, like two. Oh, two. yeah. Yeah, sort of thing as the credits are going. That would have been quite nice. But I thought it was, I thought it was very, I thought it was very, very effective. How do they not know the history of their own home, though? The West Wing, it seems like everything happens in the West Wing. And they've got all this valuable crap over here in the West Wing, but nobody ever goes over there. Or, you know, I mean, wouldn't you want to know what's going on in other parts of your household? Well, I think <laughs> maybe not. In Dark Shadows, when everybody was scared to see what was going on beyond their own room. Yeah, you know, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. So probably, you know, so probably not. And one of the things that I was amazed, you know, you have, of course, have Quentin's West Wing room in the present. It's all, it's all disheveled. Quentin required from a whole wing to himself. hundred years. Yeah, the you know the initial you know it was like a storage room and everything was so dirty and stuff and then and then his room and then when you get back to 1897 and you see how it looked like originally with the bookcase in right. what comes and oh it was great oh my god I mean he really had a nice little suite of rooms there uh, and uh, you know and, you, and and even when he takes later he, Barnabas sees it all for the first time and. He's looking around because up to that point, he saw the way it looked in 1968. And now he sees the way it looked 100 years earlier. Oh, my God, everything was so new. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, and I was like, wow, you know, what a, what a, what a great, was that Cy Thomas off? What a great job in terms of uh, fixing that all up. That was right. really something. Yeah, I imagine that they probably closed off the West Wing probably during the Depression. Yeah, most likely. Possibly. Um, I do kind of wonder, though, what kind of childhood that um, Elizabeth and Roger had, because they don't seem yeah. to know any of the special, like the, you know, the, the special corridors and the, you know, the secret passages. And you just think being a kid growing up, you probably would have been exploring all the time. And oh, they don't. God. Can you imagine they... growing up in a house that was actually, you know, that yeah. kind for, of house? For David- it tends to do a lot of exploring and which it seems natural for a kid to do it's not, you know and amy does a lot of exploring but you think but then you think about carolyn doesn't seem to have done any exploring when she was growing up and neither does um elizabeth and roger they don't they but that's what's just, annoying is that they live in this extremely haunted house it's been established or at least hinted at since episode one as well that it's been a very haunted house like you get that vibe that there's a lot of darkness and yet no one seems aware, and yet they actually seem more surprised than anything else when something like this happens, even though it's happened with Laura, it's happened with Barnabas, it's happened with so many different spiritual... Cassandra. They live through Cassandra. Like, so many different experiences. <laughs> oh, God, like, yeah. All of, those, all of those go, go out the window. No one remembers dealing with these situations or the fact that they were supernatural. And I mean, like, Laura's was heavy. You, you know that there's a lot of weird psychic energies going on. Now, it's the only time the only other time they brought outside people in because they brought in that doctor, which I can't remember the name of. Um, and, yeah. And wasn't he Don a psychiatrist as well as like dealing with the supernatural? I don't remember what he did, but. Parapsychologist. Um, he was a parapsychologist. Yeah, that, that's what it was. I thought that was fascinating. And I wish they would have brought out another. Person I only say, I, that, I wish. And everybody, he's still alive. John LaSalle is still alive and he's 90 oh, wow. in LA. 
and we and I did try to get him to interview, and unfortunately, he uh, was not uh, amenable to it because of his own, uh, you know, particular medical challenges that he's going through right now. But uh, he's, uh, I, but I will tell you, when I spoke to him on the phone, boy, he was still alive and kicking, uh, even if he didn't wow. think he was. And uh, I and, and I think that character because that is Stokes later on took on the role that Lasalle, uh left, That's and right. I am very I'm almost mad that they killed him off the way they did because right. if they had kept him on, I think he could have been a very just like Kavada Humphrey as Janet Findlay. They had her on for three days, then they killed her off. That was so ridiculous. They could have had her on. She would have been a valuable contribution to the show. She was good. Same thing with the same thing with John LaSalle as Peter Guthrie. Uh, And but you know that's the way it was. That's way. Yeah, I would have actually like with that character in mind. I think it would have been an interesting pairing to pair him up with like Professor Stokes or something because you Mm -hmm. think that they would have like a special child psychologist working with David because Julia should be playing That's that role very good she really point. isn't wow. she really isn't and David isn't getting any assistance even psychological assistance like everyone thinks he's just crazy but it's like even if they thought that he was just imagining this you'd think that someone would have reached out to get assistance and help for both David and Amy but they're not even getting that but they did with David um, and, and Laura's situation with uh, that um, Dr. Guthrie. So I don't know why they're not doing that now. Plus, that character is very interesting. And with him and Professor Stokes working together, I think that would have made it even more interesting than what did. Yeah. And who got, um, how did Peter Guthrie come to the attention of the family? I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember I'm that. Trying either. to remember I how. I don't either. Oh boy, I, I think it may have been one of the Garner people that uh, knew about Peter Guthrie. Was either I think it was I think it was Frank Garner. I think it was Frank Garner knew about Peter Guthrie, and that's how he. Okay, that's how it happened. Uh, but uh, but I agree with you. You know, these are all missed opportunities. But the, but again, they weren't thinking that far ahead they were you know they were thinking you know how can we yeah. keep the fans interested how can you know and so forth and um anyway that was an interesting it's been, it's been a really good block though i don't think the fans were, would have been not interested i know that you know the yeah. people i've talked but to that was pre-barnabas gotta remember that that was that pre-barnabas well people really you know if you've ever noticed everything starts on episode 208 or 210, 210. nobody 210. ever wants to go Back. No, I mean, it really I, does make a lot of sense if you do, if you start out yes, from the very beginning. It's painful, yes, but I mean, I is agree. it worth it? You've got two schools. I don't think it's painful. I actually love the first series. I love the first, first season. I agree. Yeah, first I, agree. I, I, I like all of it. And you yeah. just got some, you know, you have two schools of thought in the fandom. And the one thought in the fandom is, is that it all starts with Barnabas. And before Barnabas, Dark Shadows was nothing. That's a lot of nonsense in my particular, in my opinion. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's all, it's because you don't, because you really get a richness of watching it from the beginning. And even though there are the slow points and it takes them 30 days to get an autopsy, we talked about that before. <laughs> you, 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 you know, you do, you do, though, get a more, global view of how things developed up to the yeah. point where and that includes Jimmy Hall and his five performances as Willie uh, and a lot of people that never saw that don't realize that there was more than one Willie 
And uh, Jimmy Holt's still alive today and living in California. And great guy, you know, really great guy. Uh, and um, so you get a, so you, so you do get a bigger picture uh, if you watch it from the beginning. And that's my take on it. I'm glad you agreed, Jesse. Oh, and look, oh, there's Joshua. There's Joshua. <laughs> Barnabas wants to make contact with Quentin and save David. Barnabas goes back to 1897 and is trapped in his coffin. Xander the gypsy lets him out. Barnabas meets Magda, who realizes that Barnabas is a vampire. Quentin is suspicious of Barnabas, who says he is visiting from England. Grandmother Edith has a secret to tell. Barnabas meets Carl Collins, who pulls a trick gun on him. Quentin tells new governess Rachel Drummond about the tower room. Quentin forces Jameson to steal the will. Evan Hanley performs a ritual to summon a spirit to help him and Quentin deal with Barnabas. Judith informs her brother that she is the sole beneficiary of the Collins' fortune, and Quentin attempts voodoo on Barnabas. What are your thoughts on this, Tom? Here is where we really start getting into some fun with shadows. Uh, the I Ching idea was very, very creative in terms of how are they going to get Barnabas to go back into time again? And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you've got Professor Stokes as the, as the academic genius who knew all about I Ching to, uh, instruct uh, Barnabas and, and, and of course Julia's watching in fascination in terms of that and uh, and then of course uh, and and, San, and and of course there's a little takeoff Xandor is now Willie looking for the family jewels and uh, you know and meets uh, and of course the blooper is is that in terms of the chains all Xandor has to do is all Thayer David has to do is just push the chains and they fall off you know, uh, <laughs> which, which is really, I mean, they didn't want to spend five minutes on him working on the change. Um, and, uh, that's one of the few bloopers, which was really, which was really fun. And then, uh, after you see the neck bites look more like, uh, mosquito bites, uh, the way they were, the, the way they were made up. Protruding. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you know, there you have the whole introduction of the, of the 1897 family. And there's where with Selby as Quentin starts to speak, and uh, you really find out what a good actor he is, and uh, the way he's able to, the way he's able to embrace the uh, ne'er do well uh, black sheep of the family uh, at that particular time. Uh, John Carlin as Carl is the uh, is the is the uh, uh, is the do is the uh, I don't know, uh, what would you call him? He's the uh, developmentally disabled, uh, you know, uh, practical joker of the family, uh, who really, yeah. who really gives Barnabas a start when, you know, when he, when he, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> when he yeah. pulls that gun on him and he <laughs> fib, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I mean, he really scared the hell out of Barnabas. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and you can see that, you know, the character and John Carlin really doesn't well because this is the first time we see John Carlin in a different character than Willie. And, and we get a, and we get an idea of the tremendous range that John Carlin, may he rest in peace, had, uh, in, in terms of that. 
Uh, Grandmother Edith, Isabella Hoop, 76 years old when she did that. She was born in April of 1893. I mean, that gives you an idea. She was actually four years old in 1897. So she was actually alive during that period of time. And, and, and you really, I loved, oh my God, she was so great. I, you know, you loved her. And, you know, when she comes back as the, um, uh, when she comes back as the ghost and then you see her, she's got, she's a hunchback, you know, and she's, and she's given Selby and she's given Selby hell and Selby can't wait to get the hell away from her. Um, Judith, uh, there it's a tour de force. Edward as, um, Louis Edmonds as Edward is the perfect Victorian. Uh, no, I don't care. You know, he makes Roger, you know, he makes Roger, he's a combination of Roger and Joshua and he's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. Well, yeah, and, for this part, definitely. Yeah, and Joan Bennett as Judith. Then when yeah, she definitely to- shown in these, uh, she really got to shine. I think in these episodes, it was something that we've been deprived of because mm-hmm. not, she's kind of sketchy, mm-hmm. which is really cool about it. Because is she dishonest or isn't she dishonest? Is she being kind of you know, you you just don't we know. Got- um, uh, we, don't, okay. uh, we don't. We don't. We don't have any semblance of Elizabeth in this character because oh, she is Naomi and Elizabeth Stoddard were very, very closely. You can tell. Yeah, very but quickly. not like this. Although, this one is like we get a different, a different Joan Bennett playing. So although, although this, although this, what the one parallel between Naomi and Judith is that they both drink sherry, and uh, although Naomi was more of a lush. Uh, with the sherry because she was having such an unhappy relationship with Joshua. But uh, I think uh, we've got the women's lib now in um, Judith who f- finally realizes that, you know, through the will and the whole plot with the will uh, and how that changes hands. And, Did these uh, people have happy memories growing up at all? Nah. Well, they, they, play, they even hated it. Quentin mentions they even hated playing with each other as kids. <laughs> Well, I can't imagine too many people wanting to play with Quentin. <laughs> but I mean, is he a womanizing fool at all? I mean, he seems to be. Does he like Beth, or is he just using Beth? No, he's using he, Beth. I think he's just a. Ri- I think he's just a rich guy that basically, if he wants something, he takes it. Doesn't matter what right. it is. And then when he's bored, he throws it away. He's an opportunist. He's an ne'er do well. He's an opportunist. He's very, he's very devious. And of course, we got Evan Hanley, Humperdinck, the Strato returns as Evan Hanley, the lawyer who's the devil who, who runs a devil worshiping oh, club that's on right. the side. Yeah. And, and, and so shades of Nicholas Blair. And uh, I, I think that was that was a nice touch. Uh, and the dealings between Quentin, who dabbled in the occult himself. Uh, and because remember, uh, Quentin uh, picked up the I Ching Wans on a visit to the Orient while he was touring the world. And that's how, uh, you know, that's where, you know, Barnabas finds the I Ching Wans in the present uh, in Quentin's room. And now we see the parallel that, you know, Quentin had him in that room because, uh, but, but Quentin really didn't, you know, know too much about it, but he was just like really, really curious. But uh, the uh, and of course this is the way uh, for the the ceremony that Evan Hanley performs, uh, and it really should be part of scene four. But the, the ceremony that Evan Hanley performs is the way we get Lara Parker back as Angelique, right. uh, who the last time the last time we saw Angelique, she was burned. 
1796 when Barnabas returned to her. In the tower uh, room. Came from correct, the tower correct. Room. And and that's why they have that little reunion in the tower room, which is kind of which is which is kind of interesting. So we've got and, and you know the, the, all this this whole thing with who's getting the money and you know and and of course you know that of course is a is a standard thing you know everybody you know the family everybody wants the money uh, after the granddam dies. Uh, but who's but who's really got it? She was funny though that old lady. Oh, she she's was great. just creepy as. <sighs> For one, like she'd be she sitting great. in that chair or whatever she'd be wanting. She she just she was smart. Yeah. Well, she was hard to figure out because she knew what was going on around her. But at the same time, did she hate Quentin? Does she like Quentin? You know, because she's giving off different vibe here. Well, it was exp- it was apparently established that when he was a, when he was a kid, she liked him, but she didn't like what he turned into, and she couldn't trust him. And sure enough, Quentin tried to threaten to kill her if if she didn't tell the secret to him. And, right. uh, and I think so, everybody has bared this burden of this secret, and we're just like watching over this. What correct? is the secret? And the secret it was brilliant. The secret, of course, was Barnabas. Right. And we learned that it had been passed on through the eldest son. Ever since Barnabas, uh, ever since Daniel, I guess, and uh, you know, and the the whole and and the horror on Fred's face when he realizes when he's meeting um, when he's meeting Edith, old Edith, and and he realizes that he was the secret, and and that's great. I mean, that, that that's really great, you know. And it also means that that basically Barnabas' secret is only handed down through the the patriarch. So basically, the person yes. who runs the fortune and runs the home knows the secret, right. and they can only pass that secret to the next person who's going to own the house. The, right. And the Edward expected to be the one, and that's why Edward Ed, Ed, and 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 he's kicking himself because he was away. Okay, I'm confused because I don't know if I missed something or if I got distracted. Is that was Beth was was she supposed to get the uh, not Beth but um not Elizabeth Stoddard. Judith? Judith. Judith was Judith, Judith supposed to get all the money because it didn't seem like if the old Qu- lady wanted. If, Qu- if Quentin, if Quentin was, and th- someone changed someone the will, who could be trusted and was able to run a household and run a business, it probably would have gone to Quentin. But Quentin is a philanderer. Okay, right. but he changed the will with with the help of Thayer. He attempted to. He attempted. He attempted to. to. Okay, but Barnabas okay. caught him. Barnabas caught uh, uh, okay, okay. Dandor with his hand then. in the okay. till there and made sure that the original will was put in the uh, uh, it was uh, it was put in the uh, lining of Edith's casket. And, uh, you know, and uh, no, no, excuse me. No, no, I'll take that back. The, the original will was put in the lining of Edith's casket and uh, David and uh, De- uh, Jameson. Jameson found that and gave it the, gave it to Quentin, but then Barnabas found it out from Zandor, and Barnabas had it put in the family history book, and Judith found that, and Judith found the will in the family history book. So that was, and it's a nice, nice bit of Do- Roger Dodger uh, and and subterfuge and stuff right. like that. But the original will did have Elizabeth in the uh, uh, did have Judith, Judith inheriting everything and Quentin getting nothing except that Quentin did have the right to have that to live there for the rest of his life and even and, and even Judith couldn't kick Quentin out. 
Although she did try to kind of black, you know, try to bribe him to get out, but Quentin refused. And uh, so, so, so in answer to your question, the original will did have Judith inheriting everything. And when Judith found that out, she turned from somebody who was basically doing what Edward was telling her to now I'm the, now I'm the matriarch right. and I'm the women's lib kind of thing. And I'm nobody the mistress tells, of this house. I'm the mistress hell. and nobody tells me what to do. And boy, did she give them all hell. Nobody's the boss of me. And, and you also remember during this time period for a woman to be yeah. everything is that's quite a milestone. Yes. And very, because yes. of that, you got to remember that because Judith gets everything, that actually is. Well, Elizabeth gets everything, right? Well, we, well if Judith, if Judith has everything. So that basically means that Quentin is going to be the laughing stock of Collinsport. Well, what about Edward? Quentin, but Edward, yes, I agree. Edward, Edward is going to be the laughing yeah. stock. And that, and, that, and that is really. Uh, it's worrying all of them because Elizabeth has every, I mean, uh, blah, blah. Judith has everything and the rest of them have nothing financially and they're all dependent upon Judith. Well, don't they all work? Don't they have the, 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 the running Apparently of the, the, the family? Yeah, businesses? but they all, but they're all working for Judith. Right. I okay, gotcha. Right. Judith right. owns the company. Judith. I just think the, Joan Bennett does did do? such an outstanding job as Judith. I just love watching <laughs> whatever, the, whatever, whatever canning facility that. And then you like there's a you know those out, those outfits. There's one a couple of scenes where Joan Bennett is wearing this blue. Uh, blue Victorian dress. I love that dress. I know exactly earrings. which one you're talking about. And the, yeah, and the blue earrings. And boy, is she stunning with that. It's a pale blue dress. Boy, is she stunning in that. I think I just love how she shines in these episodes. And nothing before you know she's been that. You know, she's been so what's the word? She's 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 worried about her dead husband in the cellar. And we go through all this stuff through all these, you know, well, Liz is is still the leader of the family, but she's the tortured leader of the family. Yes. And it's nice to see her kicking some butt because because, yeah, because Judith is not tortured. Judith is now the one who can tell everyone what to do. Doesn't have any qualms about it. She even tells Dirk Wilkins what the hell. And he's like, who are you? He goes, I'll tell you who I am. I own the house, and I and 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 you work for me, and like and like. How did we dispatch Ned? And we got Dirk. I'm, you know, we didn't dispatch him. Ned is kind of hanging in the present, and then uh, Dirk is the overseer of the Collinwood Estate in 1897. Just a Roger Davis play, but they wanted to give. Dan Curtis loved Roger Davis back then, and he wanted to give him a chance, every chance he get to to put him into the show. Uh, so, you know, you know, so that, and, and we're going to see more and we're going to see if something very interesting in terms of the dynamics between Dirk and Judith later on. Right. And I don't want to get into that. Uh, but there's going to be a, there's going to be a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a, of some, of a reversal and some justice, but anyway, uh, but regarding, you know, but, this is to me, and you know, to me, this whole um, oh, yeah, and also Quentin attempting voodoo on Barnabas Keith, which yeah. he mentioned in scene four. And there is uh, a and, and and that's with the cane, uh, that's with putting the cane on the doll, and, and because it's silver, Barnabas feels this crushing sensation on his chest, and it's one of the first time. Uh, one of the few times that we actually see Barnabas as a vampire uh, being kind of cowed by 
by the potential power that Quentin has, but that's nothing compared to Angelique. And and the big and the big I think in this scene, the really big uh, advantage is to see the return of Laura Parker and the uh, and once again the hate, the love hate relationship, and 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 after all this time, she's still hoping that they can start over again. That's incredible. That's she's incredible. got it really bad for him. Fact that we got Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas goes, oh, you know, I've come from England. I come to visit you. And couldn't go, I've been in England. There's no Collinses over there. Who the hell are you? Oh, yeah. yeah that was no. cool. Oh, I forgot about that. That was the one with the nut. And, and, and don't forget, Edward went through. to England, too. It's just like, can't they find out whether, well, Barnabas isn't going to matter because he's going to be leaving. But, you know. So I thought I thought that was quite well. It's quite I, nice because, the, you know, when he came, you know, in the 1960s, when Barnes wakes up and he says that everyone kind of just takes it, oh, he's from England. Oh, that's great. Even though I'm not seeing a bunch of Carolyn, even though he doesn't have much of an English accent. Where this is great. I was in England not too long ago. <laughs> I don't remember seeing yeah. you at all. <laughs> so, well, well, Fred never had that had an English accent. That was his Canadian accent. Yeah, but, but everybody I'm kind sure. of ignored that. Uh, you know, and everybody ignored accents with very few exceptions. Um, there's, you know, there's no New England accent on any of them. Uh, and, uh, with again, very few exceptions. And that's from the first year. Uh, but. Oh, do this, uh, do this. Accent every once in a while. I mean, she, 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 did, she did the French one for a little while, and that dropped off. Oh, Grayson Hall, you mean? Oh, Grayson Hall. I know she dropped that. I think that drops off after a while. It did drop off. <laughs> and the last time we saw Natalie Dupre, she had a, she had almost had a Brooklyn accent. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, so, so, so there, so there you go. But this is, but now things are really getting with this scene. I think things really, really started. Picking up, you know, the writing was much better. There weren't that many bloopers. Yeah, there, it, it was uh, the plot line was engaging. Uh, the uh, you know the, the 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 not only the seriousness but the but the uh, uh, the comic relief among the characters, especially when they're having that scene with the will. Uh, and, uh, they're, they're all talking with each other and, you know, they're all accusing each other. And Quentin says, Oh, I think I'm going to cry, you know, at the absurdity of the whole situation. And, uh, very well written. Very well written. I'm a bit confused. Who's Jameson's parent? I'm sorry. Louis Edmonds. Isn't Louis Edmonds? Is it? Louis Edmonds is, yeah, Louis Edmonds, Edward is Jameson. And, and Laura Collins, I think. Would be the mother. Collins? What, we oh, had, I thought it was Jenny for some reason. No, no Jenny no. is Quentin's wife. That's right. Okay, okay. I got confused. Okay, well, Quentin's you. drunken Wait, is is wife. Is he the actual father or is Quentin the actual father? Of who? I know. Of the kids? No, that's, no, 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 no. No, Quentin, that's later on, but Quentin and Jenny had twins. Right. Okay. And though, and the, and I don't want to get into it, but there's there's going to be an ancestor relationship. That has nothing right. to do with with Jameson and Nora. Jameson and Nora, the parents of Jameson and Nora, are Edward and Laura. And okay. so that take that that really sets up an interesting. So yeah, Laura, because it's been about a hundred years, so we're ready for another. So we've got incest. Right, Daddy. <laughs> yep. 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 So Judith doesn't okay because I wasn't quite sure because Judith doesn't have any kids then at all she's not even married. Who's this? Judith. Yeah. No, Judith doesn't have any. No, Judith is. Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, he calls her a spinster a couple times, didn't he? Someone called her yeah. a spinster. Yeah, an old maid. An old, old maid. maid. Which is kind yeah. of kind Edward of bizarre did. that you would leave the money to the fortune to the spinster. 
and not leave it to the brother who basically would be able to pass it on to the family name who would be his kids. So it's kind of right. Scene five, Barnabas tells Rachel of her close resemblance to Josette. Wonder why that is. Barnabas believes that Rachel is the reincarnation of Josette. Angelique casts a spell on her. Barnabas finds Rachel lying inside his coffin. Barnabas asks Magda for an amulet to protect Rachel. And Angelique shows Barnabas a terrifying vision. Um, yeah, I have to sit there and say for me personally... I don't really care about the whole Josette thing. We did that. I bought that. I, I have know. a t-shirt somewhere. Agreed. I, I agree. I didn't think it's it might annoying. be on one of our insignias um, um, t-shirts in the near future. So, yeah. I don't know why they're bringing the Josette thing all over again. It's like, where are you going to go? It was weird. Such a big it's, deal. it's really weird. It's a very bizarre choice, if you ask me. Because this has been done to death with Maggie, then Victoria. Now we're back to a rendition of Maggie, who is Rachel Drummond's Kitty Pride. Now oh. I can say she's mooning after Barnabas. Is she mooning after Barnabas, or is that my imagination? There is an attraction thing going on there, yeah. Because Barnabas is pulling. He's he's treating her like he treated Vicky Winters all of a sudden. Well, yeah, but I also think that, I mean, they could have left the whole Josette thing out, because let's be honest, you're not going well, go to go back. there's no hope for a romance. We've seen the story of Josette. Yeah. Any kind of fiction or idea that we had about, you know, the, the buildup of what the Josette storyline is, and then we saw the reality of it, which didn't kind of live up to the to the fable and everything that we heard. So now to, like, bring this back in, it's like, really? This is a bit, why... Why can't Barnabas just be attracted to her for her just being who she is instead of like, oh, she reminds me of Josette? Because well, well, but again, Keith, you were the one who was saying that you really thought that Vicky was the real love of Barnabas's life. But the problem is, is that the writers don't want people to remember that because they feel that this uh, this love story between Josette and Barnabas is, or whatever you can want to call it, is so much more uh, has so much more pathos. Yeah, because they're really looking to focus, in my in my opinion, they're looking to focus on the on the uh, aborig- aberrational and the irrational and the neurotic. The neurotic is the best way I could put it. The neurotic relationship with Barnabas and Josette, where the relationship between Barnabas and Vicky is more of a is more of a maybe a hopeful and a happier and more adjusted possible type of relationship. And the writers did not want to focus on that. So they can't, so they come back to this. And again, Vicky's out of the picture now completely. So now they're coming. So now they're coming back to this. And, and I don't know if you get the sense in this scene that, that Barnabas, because I don't think it's ever mentioned that Barnabas believes that Rachel's the reincarnation of Josette. He never mentions that. It's an implied kind of thing, and that will come out later in the 1897 segment. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that that's explicitly spelled out in this scene yet. I mean, you know, I think that's the only problem, basically, that I have with this, is that basically we've seen, you know, we had the, you know, Barnabas's, you know, when he first appeared, the whole Josette thing. Then we went back in time, and then we saw how the whole Josette thing played out and stuff like this. And then we got, then we bounced back to present time, and then we got 
him whatever what was going on between Victoria and his love for her sort right. of thing. And Macy's sacrificing everything that he wants for her and kind of gotten over the whole Josette thing to then come back to it. Yeah. And the thing is, now, now something happens, he went from 1797 or fought, not 1797, and then he jumped forward to this time period. Right. It would make a bit of sense. But ju- yeah. but we got Barnabas from modern-day Barnabas incorporated into the, bo- into the body of 1897 coffee right. Barnabas. So and the epitome of he, he has all his history with him. He knows where he's from. He knows where he's gone yeah. through. And I guess that it's so just seemed, another thing is like if you're just coming into the show, Josette has never been mentioned, so it doesn't really mean anything to you if you're a newbie. Mm-hmm. If you've been following the series as well, it still doesn't make a lot of sense because you follow the series anyway, so you've already seen the whole Josette thing play out. It's literally so, like being slapped in the face with a wet noodle. Like I'm so tired <laughs> of it, and it's so obnoxious. <laughs> it's so obnoxious. I've never <laughs> seen this storyline done in a more obnoxious way than it is right here. Well, a lot of people yeah. come like back to it again and again. <laughs> There's going to be a time later when it's finally going to be resolved. Right, but, but that's it, but, not for a long time. Though. That's correct. We're that's all right. the Josettes and Meg in the universe are unified within one portrait and it's some kind of weird spiritual psychedelic 60s thing taking place in the Victorian period. So, I don't know. It's just so bizarre. I don't like it. I'm so over it. I kind Artemis of just, just Artemis is just on. looking for love. That's what but I mean. Always. Always. Love people. It could, why can't he just have numerous love interests instead of trying to put that one Josette character on every woman he meets, which usually happens to be a version Ray of Maggie. Lewan, it's so Ray weird. And he Victoria had better chemistry than Maggie and Barnabas, because Maggie and Barnabas was a forced thing because she was being um, threatened, hurt, harmed, and hypnotized to be Josette. So they didn't ever develop a loving relationship the way that Vicky and Barnabas kind of, sort of did. So mm-hmm. that would make more sense than trying to force any version of Maggie um, or Catherine Lee Scott's... Um, and, and the only right. sexual interaction that Barnabas has ever had where there's been any kind of sexual fireworks going on is with Angelique. Yeah, yeah. you pointed that out a little bit. <laughs> never was with Joseph. Yeah. Joseph was kind of like, okay, well, this is going to be a loveless marriage if these two oh. get together. <laughs> well, you, you know, the movie um, in the House of Dark Shadows actually did a better job of representing exactly how creepy the relationship between Maggie and Barn- Barnabas was because they depicted Barnabas as a much older, creepy-looking, balding vampire. And that's what it is. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what the relationship oh, is. And you, you never get like, oh, yeah, this is an appropriate relationship. They're of the same similar age. Um, it's a, it's a, it could potentially work out. It's just, it feels very creepy more than anything else. And to have this nice. kind of weirdness constantly come out after you've established that, you know, having Barnabas and Julia would have made a much better storyline. You know, it, I feel like that could be done better nowadays than it maybe would have then because reasons. I don't even know why exactly, but I just, I would have rather had seen that because Everything great. It's such a long way, and then to backtrack and go back to it is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're doing a good thing here. The Laura. I I think what they should have done there is basically Julia gives Barnabas the rape drug, and the next morning it wakes up, and Julia and Barnabas are in bed together. (laughs) Barnabas is like, what the hell? (laughs) Hit all Barnabas. I've been GBH'd. (laughs) In fact, on Facebook, there's a very famous. The, uh, uh, what do they call that? Uh, Photoshop. 
of, uh, of of Barnabas and Julia in bed in the uh, you know. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the, so the, I haven't seen yeah. that. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you should but see that. Smile on Julia's face, boy. <laughs> but I guess um, the problem basically is, is that I guess it's trying. I guess what we're kind of fed with, and uh, agreeing with Jesse here, is that. You could have just basically had Barnabas attracted to Rachel Drummond and just kept it at that. She right. Because I said before, they keep, you know, it's like you're being, you're being force fed something that's like, well, we've already been force fed this already. And we weren't force fed it. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed the, the whole thing. Around, yeah. and, we, and we enjoyed everything up to now. But it's like, why are we going five steps back again? Why are we need right, to do this? Right. Because and you could have had a yeah. more interesting story with, you know, he just, fall in love with Rachel for whatever for whatever reason. There is also a little bit of a there's also been a little bit of a reworking, but for a different reason between uh, Rachel and Maggie when Barnabas uh when when she's discovered in the coffin. Uh, the difference is is that Barnabas put Maggie in the coffin uh back in the original you know plot. Here Angelique uh Angelique's spell on Maggie on the Rachel leads Barnabas to discover her in the coffin. So it's the same scene for different reasons. But there is no doubt in my mind that the writers are still established, trying to establish, because Catherine Lace Scott played both characters. So they are, so the writers are still trying to establish a connection between this unholy love. But, but here we have the more mature Barnabas who has grown from the, uh, from the blood sucking evil vampire that he was two years ago. And so here he's horrified to see, uh, Rachel in the coffin, whereas he actually put Maggie in the coffin there two years, you know, two years ago. And we, and of course now we have, and that was pre Angelique. Also, when he put Maggie in the coffin, so but we also have, but we also have the Maggie that just before he goes back in time, that there seems to be some kind of attraction between Maggie and Barnabas anyway that they were trying to establish in the beginning there before they go back in time. So that would have kind of continued where he okay. like, oh, just like Maggie. She doesn't have to look like Joe. That she's now sort of like Maggie. I'm saying they could have gone that way. I don't think it's as as as, as it's as strong though. I, I think it's I think the I think Maggie is something that the current Barnabas would like to forget. You know all the stuff that he you know that and there was she seemed to big, be a little bit intrigued by him on, on the lot this block when you saw well, she doesn't have Joe, well she doesn't have Joe anymore. Uh, and that's another thing, you know. Uh, so, and and, and Chris and Chris is off with um Carolyn, so the young the young stud's gone, so the only leaves the old the old man. Exactly. Roger. Which one's gonna be? <laughs> Who do you want, Maggie? Barnabas or Roger? Who do you want to be your man? What happened to Joe? Where, where do you want to wait five years until David's grown up? <laughs> yeah, Joe, come back. <laughs> And I and I and I don't want to There's say what, I don't want to say what happens to Maggie in the end, uh, because that's a long time from now. Right. But ironically, I have a feeling that Maggie and Joe met again, and that's all. The, that's all I'm going to say about that. And we'll know why. Maybe maybe in a few months when we get to that block, because we're really going. And I think that's just very ironic. It was accidental. Um, but anyway, but do you see though how 
you know, we're in scene five already. And you see how now things are really happening a mile a minute. And uh, there's all these, again, five, and we're back, we're back to 19, you know, with, with all those parts with Nicholas and Angelique and Adam and everything. Everything's happening. Uh, there are five, five or six parts going on at once and all interchanging with each other and all intermingling. And Dark Shadows is now back on track. Uh, they, they got pretty slow with the turn of the screw thing. Uh, but Barnett, but, but the show is now back on track. And this is one of the most interesting parts of the show. And, um, I don't know if you want me to sing Quentin's theme, Keith, uh, but uh, I've got the music for it. That's up to you. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, it's uh, that is an interesting. That, that was that was, of course, the number. They were that was in the top ten uh, of nineteen sixty eight, and uh, I'll I'll leave that I'll leave that for you, Keith. We'll either do it now or another time. It's your, it's your I show. think what we're going to do is go to our scene six first. Let's do it. And I think we'll probably close with you doing us that Quentin. Uh, Quentin okay. Scene, scene six. An escapee from the tower room sets Edward's room on fire. Jenny Collins attacks Rachel and locks her in the tower room. She then attacks Judith. Barnabas searches the tower room for Rachel's attacker. After Jenny hears Quentin's music, grabs a knife and searches for Quentin. Jenny stabs Quentin and leaves him to die. Barnabas finds Dirk leaning over the body. Barnabas summons Angelique to save Quentin, who raises him up from the grave like a zombie. So, Jesse, what are your thoughts on this? I like how you waited to ask me for the episodes that are a bit awkward. But um, anyway, yeah, I thought it was um, both intriguing, but also kind of like, what? I was a little confused by some of these things, but I, I do love the introduction of Jenny and I find some of these aspects very intriguing. Like, I, I don't know why, but I just like that she's locking Rachel up in, in the tower. And I, I also like that they're bringing, um, shoot, what is the actress that plays Jenny? What's her name again? Um, Marie Wallace. Yeah, Marie Wallace. She's phenomenal. So I'm glad they found something else for her to do besides playing Eve. She is excellent in this. I mean, she, she plays that shit really good. Again, why can't anybody find these ladies at home? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's dramatic. It's like somebody crushed their effing hair. She's not even crazy thinking the dolls are alive, so obviously it's like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's the point for her to look like one of her dolls that she has, because she does look like a porcelain doll with the crazy-ass curls. Um... Yeah, she doesn't comb her doll's hair either, so. <laughs> no. Does the dolls even her have babies, hair? Her baby. Her baby. Yeah, they put that matted hair and stuff. Yeah, that was also very. Um, they still haven't given us the secret of why. Why the, yeah. they, they hide her, though. Well, I mean, the yeah, but no, but we do, figured we do out. know that yeah. basically it has something to do with Quentin and his. Well, yeah. Whatever went on there. Something happened where they felt Which I the guess need we'll get, to... And I guess we'll talk, cover next month. But, right. Um, but it's an intriguing... I have to say, this is a very intriguing story. I'm like, where the hell is this one going? I mean... Yeah. No, and, and like you were saying earlier, like, um, this is a much more cohesive storyline. Like, you have things going on that feel very connected, very fresh, very... Um, it's It's just the right touch of sporadic with just enough to keep you going. Like, you have this little threesome um coven with like um quentin and and uh, and um 
what's his name on the storyline? Evan Hanley. And like, there's so many interesting things going on, like really interesting stuff that we haven't seen on Dark Shadows yet. That's why when you throw um, this Maggie Josette infatuation with Rachel Drummond into the mix or whatever, the key prospect or whatever, it's just obnoxious and it throws a wrench in that. And it's like, oh no, if you just took that out, like this would be perfect. This would be like a perfect circle right now. But you had to just, you had to ruin it. You had to take that slice. And cut it wide Do you think open. maybe he was just throwing out teasers out there to test the waters? Probably. You know? maybe, um, but it's like, well, I mean, he, he could have just like Rachel drummed him out. Would have been fine. That would have been fine. Like you can like other people. You can see other people. You don't have to turn everyone you see into Josette. Like if he likes Julia one day, well, that was your obsession. Or into Josette. I mean, how awkward would that be? It'd be very, very bizarre. I think we're going on I, I think the thrumple. The thruple is a lot more interesting. The oh, thruple being Beth, Rachel, and Quentin. <laughs> That's quite interesting. They were going on with work. No, Quentin. Quentin brings on some very fresh energy, like something you haven't yeah. really seen yeah. in Dark Shadows yet. Yeah. And yeah. That's what's cool. Like he maybe it's because we have he's a second too. real handsome know. man on the show again too. You know, you Probably got, you got only, Chris. I think you I don't think have much beefcake back then for for, on, no. for soap operas. No. You know, I had Joe Kravitz for a little while, but that was. Yeah. Uh, but but Quentin's probably the most attractive male that's ever been on Dark Shadows, just in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I have to um, say though, I think that um, I think actually Quentin must have a little bit of a kink in him. Because they too, they do say a little bit of things about like what went on. You know, they don't tell you anything. They're like kind of like hinting around about what went on between Less Rachel is more, and Elmer yeah. Mad, and then they're kind of going. And then you got Beth, where he's like kind of like sexually excited by Quentin, even though she's trying to stay away from him. Right, and knows that he's bad, but there's got to be something that's like. Well, I think you know, Quentin's like Quentin's like the bad boy kinky guy sort of thing. That's well, the, the, they, well, yeah, he's on. into the the weird and the macabre, you know. So he's probably, you know, I don't know, maybe a little Satanism with his sex on the side. Who knows? I'm not yeah. knocking it, Jeff. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, Quentin could be the kind of person to be up in the tower room with a puzzle box and Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see what was the name of that character. If Dan Curtis had made Dark Shadows now, I wonder what references he would have used instead of the ones that he ended up with. He would have had way more to work with than just like old novels, old English novels, as Victoria would say, with Mm -hmm. ghosts in the corridors. I do want to say also, and, and, and this may have been mentioned and I was away for a minute, but Marie Wallace's Jenny. And uh, Marie Wallace, of course, returns. But the f- of, of of the three characters that she played on the show, Jenny is the favorite uh, of the uh, of the fans. Crazy Jenny. It uh, does such a wonderful job being nutso. Oh yeah, well, we got oh, yeah. sexy voluptuous mm-hmm. Marie Wallace. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she was like the sex on a stick, like She's beyond cool. She's the, just Valley of the Dolls <laughs> kind of. Um, yeah. Now we got Mad Denny, which is fantastic, like total opposite. It's like God. Well, yeah. we don't know yeah. that yet, and we're going to find that out that they were sisters. Well, but. You know, everyone here is playing like very dynamic characters. Like everyone is he's showing you a different side of them. Like even um, uh, um, John Bennett, like uh, like Vicky said earlier, like everyone is showing you a different side to them that we haven't right. seen yet. It's not repetition. Um, but I, I will say like Carl is a, he's a bit too zany 
for me. Like, I feel I don't sorry think I was... for I feel sorry for him because he's always so <laughs> emasculated in any role Curtis gives him. That's true. Let him, he's always, let him be. He reminds the, me of the cowardly lion, like even with the accent. You talk about uh, Carlin. Yeah, well, there will be another role where he is not emasculated. I well, know, I know, but way. I mean, it just seems to be a generalization at this point. You know, I mean, they've given him. Yeah, that, that, it's true. I mean, in one, Willie is the emasculated one, and Carl is the buffoon. Uh, and uh, Carl is the child of the family that never right. kind of, that never kind of, and that's why when, when uh, they had that little scene between Carl and Jameson and Carl was telling Jameson, you know, the mind is man, you know, Jameson was already, uh, possessed by Quentin and, uh, and shook the hell out of Carl when he called him brother. Uh, but, but the thing with but the Jenny character, which who's which is introduced here in the relationship between Jenny and Beth, and you see, Vicky, this is what we remember. You said I think another point in time. Well, or we were talking about it, and that Beth was a real Beth was a real you know what, and but we see here that there's a tender side of Beth uh, in terms of the relationship between her and Jenny, and Beth is really 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 feels sorry for her, and she and she is Jenny's principal caretaker and she tries to protect Jenny when she can uh, because she knows that Jenny has gotten a real raw deal and we're going to know what that raw deal is uh, which has originally turned Jenny from a really really uh, in the beginning and we don't see this until later on much later on we get a little hint of what Jenny used to be before she turned into the crazy woman that she is uh, but, but Jenny was a real, uh, Jenny was, a, a what, an actress kind of thing. She was a singer. She was, a, she was full of life. She was full of love and so forth. And something happened to her to make her into what she is. And so it's a very, very. Well, another thing is Quentin married down, didn't he as well? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah that's part of it. That's he part married, of it. I mean, an actress in 1897, basically, you're better off. It's like marrying a whore off the street. And we, yeah. and we can talk and about that. He didn't marry yeah. in, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we like can talk about family I mean, that the family know. hated. The family did not like her. And she does talk about when right. she's talking to uh, Judith. And she's talking about, you know, the fact that Judith used to give her dirty looks. Sing the Red Rose. Sing the Red Rose. Oh, my God. Red Rose. Oh, that was. Oh, I know. That song was stuck in my head for a couple days after I heard that. We gave her a chance to sing. We gave her a chance to sing. Yeah. Uh, But don't you feel so? It doesn't matter what character, though. Magda or Julia is up against. She gets strangled all the time. Have you seen a person get more strangled than Julia? That's true. No, that's true. Hangs around with throat fetishes. (laughs) He strangled her in the movie too. You know. Yeah, he did. He's always always getting beat up. I mean, I have to then say that um, you know we kind of end this blog very, very in a very, very good, interesting place. Yeah. I mean, I sit there and say I did jump ahead because I'm what um, I'm watching on the disc now because I have the coffin set. So I'm watching this. I try to watch it on the disc. So I actually jump. I think I got about five episodes ahead of here. And what's coming next is even better. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm right. It's really good. It's you know, really we, good. See, we see a couple of old favorites coming back. We haven't really changed right. a lot. But come back. It's like, yay. Yeah. So, That's right. I mean, the only, I guess the only thing um, 
I think the only thing I can sit there and say that I was a bit disappointed was bringing Angelique back a little bit. And there's nothing against Laura Parker or Angelique. Or, it's kind of like, oh, here we go again. It's like, come on, Miss. Haven't you ever learned a freaking lesson? You're like, I'm going to trust Angelique again. Like, oh my God. Really? Because that's just going to be disastrous. <laughs> we all know it's going to be disaster. So. Besides that, you kind of deserve everything that happens to you. You know, fool you once, shame on you. Fool you twice, you're an idiot. Fool you three times, you're a real idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, I kind of I, I, I like to see Angelique, but in this case, I would have liked if she had nothing to do with Barnabas in this instance and had everything to do with Quentin because I really do like the, you know, the, um, the, the triple coupling of like Nick, um, not Nicholas, what the hell's his name? Evan Hamley, Quentin, Angelic. I think like their storyline is so interesting and fascinating, but mm-hmm. like again with the Josette, Barnabas, Barnabas, Angelique, like that's overplayed at this point. Let's do something a little different. It, I, I think the Angelique and Barnabas becomes more interesting later on, but with like that energy going on, it's very frustrating. So I can see where you're coming from, but I do like that they brought Angelique back. I would just like it better if they, if she did it in this instance have anything to do with Barnabas. Well, I mean, because you know the minute she sees Barnabas, she's going to get distracted and put all her focus on him. And lose all interest yep. in what, like her current, her, all the her current affairs get sucked out of the yeah. room again. And she's yeah. clearly aware of the time hopping. Oh yeah, yeah, and she would be. Angelique, she sure, she's in hell, probably looking. And, up. and, and she's she's yeah, the one know. that's telling Barnabas that he's changing history. Uh, simply, and he points out rather shrewdly that so is she by coming back to this time. So they're both so they're both at fault there. But that's you know, part- the bastardization of Mr. Vampire as well. He's a vampire. He's still a vampire now. He's back into being a vampire. So it's kind of well, like, it's, yeah. it's nice to see Angelique but, back as a witch instead of a vampire. Because I, I feel like that dragged out a little too long. It was kind of interesting, but then it dragged on a little too long. I never long get for tired me, so. of seeing Angelique as a vampire. But, yeah, but of course, she's, but of course, she, but, she, she first, uh, gain notoriety in the witch character. So that's what the fans are really going to remember. And I guess that's what they, and they may have had the same kind of inclination. Uh, because remember, Barnabas, even if Barnabas is a vampire now, I mean, it's just like, he's kind of like, like the gentle vampire. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of boring now. He's, he doesn't have well, that veracity. He's human. Kind of, yeah. No, he's a, well, he's I mean, not human, but well, vampire crazy. name only. Well, when you see Ben Cross do, you know, like when he like Ben Cross's first kill and the first, well, the only season, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, where he's getting Daphne. Holy shit, you know. Well, no, there's more than one. There's a, there's some well, yeah, doxy that he attacks in the, in the parking lot. But there's ferocity, yeah. but it's really sexualized too. So there's a bunch of, of animal magnetism that goes into those scenes, and it's like, mm-hmm. and that's what I guess maybe we're ahead by a couple of decades or so. So yeah. we've been desensitized to the sparkly, sexy vampire. And that's yeah, what I'm missing. What I'm saying is the, the vampire, Barnabas the vampire in 1897 is a bastardized version of Barnabas because yes. basically it's human Barnabas from the modern day put into the body of a vampire Barnabas. But the bottom line is what do you want? Because either he's going to be a, either he's going to be a, a horrible, terrible Bela Lugosi type uh, vampire, the way he was first introduced, or he's going to be a sanitized version, yeah. uh, the way yeah. he is now. But someone who's well, grown, he's not torn or twisted or anything. Basically, I mean, it's kind of weird. They should. I don't know. It's almost like maybe have him wake up and not be a vampire at all. Maybe. Yeah. Well, why I don't, don't understand know. why he that's when he's human. But that's when he's because human. Because if he goes back in the form that he is, he shouldn't be a vampire. 
He's not really a vampire now either. He's but why like, are they? Like, no, 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 he he's showing up at people's houses at night. No, he is a vampire. No, like that. In fact, they did. There's they no just don't have as many here. scenes. They, he did bite Sophie. Uh, uh, what is it? Casey Townsend and Sophie Baker. That yeah. was a doxy that he bit in 1897. Oh, don't remind me. Oh. And he's going to have another vampire flame. Uh, and I'm not going to say with who, but you're going to see that happen. Uh, so they do bring him back, but they are more concerned with the evolved character that Barnabas has become. And but they yeah. but they don't really. Uh, and of course, he bit he bit Zandor, uh, and he's going to bite another. Uh, he's going to there will be a few, there will be a few characters. Uh, but it's certainly not what it was when he first came onto the scene and he was this evil. So, so my point is, look, you know, I mean, it's, it's six, you, you can have him one way or you can have him the other way. I just think um, it would have been more interesting to bring him back in time the way Victoria went back in time. That's right. Time. That's what but, I was know, thinking. You I mean, know, what was frustrating mm-hmm. is that you have a character, Barnabas, who had evolved over the series and now he's devolved, and it's like you're left with that, and it, it's frustrating to see that because then you you do have like a watered down, weird amalgamated version right. of Barnabas, and you're not sure what to do with well, the him. Problem, I see, yeah. The problem. And what do you, is and what do, you do about the Collins family history about vampire Barnabas being in 1897 now? Yeah, well, now that's all changed, uh, and it's probably not going to be talked about in the book. Uh, because they'll probably sanitize that, and you know, it'd be, it's, they never really talked about how does the book deal with 1897 Barnabas? Does, it, does the book show that 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 version came to Collinwood, or that that was never even touched? Well, he must. I mean, that I mean, that book's going to be different when he goes back anyway, because the book that read basically about how Quentin died. Obviously, right. now that Barnabas right. is there, he's not right. from dying. That, and that was That's way, right. So. That, absolutely. But, but I mean, you know, it'd just be more interesting that basically, you know, now the family secret is like, oh, the chaotic secret because Barnabas is a vampire. We pass this on from generation to generation. So then you kind of thinking, well, how come not, no one told Elizabeth at one point? So obviously, that got left out some of the way. Obviously, um, but that, I guess that died with. You know the grandmother and the brother, but you do yeah. kind of wonder the simple fact that you know, as said before, Elizabeth's daughter would have been born in 1910, 1920, maybe, right? You know, yeah. so and then so the, you know, the, you think that she would have had some inkling about a Barnabas that came back from England, sort of thing, who was a vampire, because right, you know, I mean, I imagine this. The storyline gets on, go, goes on. I mean, you know, somehow that is somehow that is kept from both Elizabeth and Roger. That basically these secrets that everyone's having are going to start being exposed left, right, and center to all of the various people in Collinswood. That you know, and if you look at the way that your parents talk about old relatives, you know, when you're just sitting there at the coffee table and they're having coffee with you, you know, with your aunt, and they're like, "When do you remember such and such?" They were blah. blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> so. But I, I'm liking this. I have to sit there and I'm liking this. So I enjoy, I'm block. enjoying this whole 1897 thing. So. It's a great book. I really got nothing yeah. bad to say about it, tell you the truth. So what we'll do is um let's let's go very quickly. We'll get, we have two more things to cover and we'll do this very, very quickly, like in a snap round. 
And starting with you, Vicky, what's your best storyline and your worst storyline in this block? Oh, best storyline. Well, the best storylines definitely got to be Quentin coming into the, the scene. Um, worst storyline, I would have to say it's probably trying to reignite the Josette Barnabas relationship again. That's like, let's not go there. I totally agree with all you guys on that one. What about yourself, Jesse? Best storyline, worst storyline? I was literally going to say the same thing. Um, I, I resent the fact that they're trying to bring Josette and Barnabas back. It's like, why does she have to be attached to the fact that Barnabas is a vampire? I feel like those things are, I think the, the reason why we resent Barnabas as a vampire in the storyline is because it seems to be attached to Josette as well. And it's like, why do these things have to be related? I don't understand. It's like Barnabas reverts to this kind of caveman rendition yeah. of what a vampire is. And he's like, Josette, Josette, Josette. Like everywhere he turns, he just yeah. thinks about Josette for whatever reason. It's like, just be normal. It's okay. <laughs> you can like other people. It's okay. But they yeah. just ignore that. And someone else anyway. You know, I hate to tell you. Uh, there will yeah. be somebody else besides, right, but, and and that's going to be later. And their and their names. No, but I don't are. like that. I don't like that. I know you. I think I know who you're talking about. I don't like that. It's just so irritating. Um, right. Anyway, um, and that's yeah, that's the worst one. And the best one, um, I would also say is is Quentin because he just kind of adds this new element to Dark Shadows, and he's a completely new character from what we've seen before. Um, I feel like he just has more depth and more presence. Um, and he's a really good actor. Like they don't always add people on that you like immediately. I think you do get like a diamond here and there. Um, like I know Larry Parker was a good addition. Um, 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 Marie Wallace was a good addition. David Selby was a good addition. Um, and you just have these new characters that become regulars that add so much to the show. And um, it's either a hit or, hit or miss, I feel like, but this was definitely um, a hit for the show because they add so much. And it, it's not, he, he adds dimension to like the later on werewolf character because I, I don't know if that's like this or whatever. Um, so I think that's, that's cool because then you're not just adding supernatural characters for the sake of being supernatural, you're adding dimensional characters that have a presence that have something that you care about so i think that's cool that they did that with um with quentin's character because it it could have been bad but it wasn't it was actually really good and what about yourself tom favorite storyline and worst storyline scene four is the favorite storyline uh where we are first introduced to the 1897 characters through the I Ching, and barnabas goes through the door to the infinite although God, they they do that uh, voiceover prologue for at least a week. Uh, yeah, you just, get, <laughs> you just get sick and tired. And then they had the different actors doing the. You know, they didn't really have to. They didn't really have to get too original on that one, unfortunately. But other than that, I mean, uh, the introduction to the family, uh, the Mag- Magda and Zandor, Edith. Uh, what a great role for what a great role for Isabella Hoops may she rest in peace um, the uh, bringing back Humper Allen the straight up and the whole thing with the will worst is scene one uh, where they're doing this turn of the screw thing and maybe maybe a bright spot was uh, a pagoda as Ezra, as Ezra Braithwaite 
um, you know, kind of brought some new acting into the show. Uh, but other, but other than that, you could really fall asleep listen, looking looking at this. Um, so, uh, and, and that, so that's my take on that. My favorite storyline has to be um, Jenny. I'm very very intrigued by that. I thought when that came when that started, I became very very intrigued. Right, and I love the way that this whole build up of Quentin that we got that kind of the, the drag up most of the time, but then you know we never knew where this was going. This feels like they've learned a lot from falling back in time before, and they've actually learned a, some lessons here. And they've all, actually they're, they're they're paying off a lot more than what we got with you know the Josette and that whole thing. This is paying off like very very quickly, and I love that. I'm going to go along with bringing Josette's storyline back in. It's like it's been done, it's been tested, we've seen it, we've gone through years and years of this. Do so we need another year of this storyline? And why bring this back? I mean, you know, keep an open mind, see where they go with it. But yeah, as soon as their name was, I just kind of rolled my own, not this again. Now we'll go for favorite character and least favorite character, starting with you, Jesse. Who's your favorite character and least favorite character of this block? My least favorite is easily Ned Stewart. I just. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> and uh, my favorite, probably New Quentin, the one that speaks. <laughs> the one that speaks. <laughs> what about yourself, Tom? Well, I got I got to say, it's you know, she was only on for a few episodes, but my favorite would be Isabella Hoops as as Edith. Uh, what a, what a great, what a great comic relief that was. Plus the, plus the establishment of the fact that, and then, you know, for, for somebody who had an extra role, uh, she had some great scenes with uh, both Jonathan and with David Selby and, uh, the establishing of the fact that there was a secret and so forth. Um, uh, I, I only wish Craig Slocum was on so I could say he was the worst actor. But uh, they got rid of him. they got rid of him already. It would have been fun if they had an ancestor of Mrs. Johnson uh, to come on to to come on to the show. But 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 seriously, who's wearing the same wig? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but um, let's see. So uh, the, my worst, I would also agree, Ned Stewart. I wasn't crazy about him. Uh, and I think, you know, he was a heavy and he really didn't do that much other than bully Chris around. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know what he, you know, what it reminded me of uh, that he's a, that he's a reprise of Burke Devlin in a way. Yeah. Because, yeah, because, you know, because Burke Devlin had uh, a, 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 what is it? A, uh, an axe to grind, a uh, chip on his shoulder. A chip on his shoulder. I miss him, though. Terrible bad. I loved him. <laughs> well, okay. But what I'm saying is is that but he did have the he chip a, on his shoulder. He had a kindness. To, uh, Burke had a kindness to some people and a roughness to something. And all you guys are... Right. All you right. guys one-sided because... Yeah, I agree with you, Thomas. Like, yeah. What are you, and, and, what are you and, doing in this? What are you even here for? <laughs> but, but so here, uh, Ned Stewart also has a chip on his shoulder. And uh, for a different reason, but he feels that uh, you know that Chris, that Chris uh, 
basically made his sister a vegetable. Uh, and, yeah, uh, vegetable. Uh, vegetable. She's a vegetable. 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 The way he said the vegetable made it even funnier because he made it several different syllables. <laughs> vegetable. And he said it so Wait, seriously, like matter of fact. So it was just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I laugh. I laugh for. I laugh for. Get two hours of So, ne- yeah. so, so that's so. Neb would be my worst uh, character in this block. What about yourself, Nix? Well, I think all of them did so. I think there's everybody was so strong in this block. I got. I've just got to hand it to them. Of, oh gosh, Joan Bennett and Marie Wallace. Really, they did such a fantastic job, and Will—not Willie, but John Carlin—with a, a wow. new, a new thing that they they finally did wow. for him. Yep. And the I did the only reason I didn't like Ned is because it was just kind of a ill placed kind of story, I guess. And it, yeah. he didn't really well, didn't go anywhere, you know. And I mean, it, I just didn't like him as Ned. But I mean, I. I <laughs> I mean, he, and he was just too touchy feely with his sister, you know. Just like, <laughs> quit touching your sister. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's I mean, it. My favorite character. I'm going to go with Jenny. Um, I think it's only because I'm so intrigued by her. I think really good bet. wonderful. Oh, really good bet. No, Green Wallace was great. Absolutely. Yeah. God, she's, then, just, she's so beautiful. Her character. She's probably one of the only few characters that actually come on and the first scene is like what in the hell is going on here and yeah. it really intrigued me it's like, I'm like oh my god like, normally <laughs> with, I have to, like, with watch the scissors it. yeah because normally I have to watch like a character in Dark Shadows and it's normally after that after I've seen him in two or three scenes and then all of a sudden it's like it is her the soon as she came on and she had that mad hair and she's going on about her baby yeah. it's like ooh so yeah so my, my I'm gonna go with um, Ned not because of the actor, but more of the characters. It's one of those characters that don't. Yeah, go it just didn't really go nowhere. To tell you the truth. Uh, and I just before we go, um, uh, and I'm just going to, and I do have, by the way, with me, the Dark Shadow Snow Globe, uh, which is available, which was available from MPI, uh, which, and it may still be, uh, but it's a, but it's a great little item. Uh, it has the, it has Collinwood and you, you, you shake it up and you see it snowing, but it has the, um, it has Quentin's theme. If you just press a, if you just press a little button, and uh, I'm just now David Selby. Whenever he whenever he referred to it on the show, he didn't sing it. Uh, he basically, uh, you know, just mouthed the words, uh, that kind of thing. But the words, but the words are fun. And uh, with Keith's permission, because it's not going to be too long, I'm just going to see if we can get this, and I'm gonna, and I'm just gonna. Verbalize it for the new fans. The old fans have probably sung this a million times. Shadows of the night. Falling silently. 
echo of the past, calling you to me, haunted memories, veiled in misty clouds, phantom Playing soft and low In this world that we know now Life is here and gone But somewhere in the afterglow Love lives on Dreams of long ago Meet in rendezvous Shadows of the night Calling me to you I know Quentin didn't cough while this was happening Calling me to you. Now, uh, while 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 the rest of them were laughing uh, and going like. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, I went to Catholic school. I'm just by by my very nature immature because they did that to me. <laughs> well, I never sang on the Literary License podcast before, and I don't think I ever will again. You tried to get David Selby to sing. He he, he wouldn't do it. Well, never he, he did. Forgot. No, he doesn't have he a forgot. singing voice. He doesn't even remember the words. But well, he said he forgot the words. Yeah. He forgot the words, and you have to give it to him. And he's done it at the Dark Shadows Convention. He did it I mean, on the Joan Rivers show, I think, too. Oh, no kidding. Now, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Ba- that's Joan he Rivers juggled was all on those, his- little, those little bottles. He was juggling on the Joan Rivers show. When was was this? Joan Rivers wasn't on while Shadows was on, was it? No, 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 no. This is when he was on Falcon Crest and stuff like that. Oh, oh, he did Shadows of the Night when he was on Falcon Crest. No, it's easy. Anyway, so that is that is essentially the song that kept all the fans enraptured for at least two two or three years, uh, and and. And of all, yes, Josette's theme is uh, is important, you know, when you think of shadows. But aside from that, that's the next one. So this brings us to the end of our episode. Um, remember, um, next week we'll be carrying on with um, Soap um, with the next eight episodes of that and of course um, our next books is screen story by Peter Straub and the 1980 film starring Mervyn Douglas and Fred Astaire and John Hausman and of course our 80s um, two for one will be The Fog by John Carpenter and The Changeling starring George C. Scott. That is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So we got a ghostly next month happening. So it's good night for myself and good night Jesse. Have a good night folks. Good night, Vicky. Good night, y'all. Good night, Tom. 
Yes, and happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> there I go. Okay, there we are. <laughs> and we'll be seeing you next week with soap. We'll be dealing with demonic babies being exercised. Oh, that's right. Good night, folks. Good night. Now it's time to start with Super Show.